I'm sorry, but you can't be here in the nurse's station. Why not? Uh, because it's for nurses only. You need to step outside. If you want to change which podcast but, everyone's listening but, to, you need to put your request out. I just was thinking maybe we could turn it up so everybody could hear it because this is a really good podcast. And I which think everybody podcast deserves is to that? Hear it. it's, it's called Late Seating. They review classic movies. The last time we turned up Late Seating, five of our inmates killed themselves. Right. So let's turn it up. If Mr. McMurphy doesn't want to take his medication orally, I'm sure we can arrange that he can have it some other way. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I'm Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a super serious doc uh, movie about super serious things like mental health care um, in this country, granted in the 1950s. 50s and early 1960s and we throw other stuff in there like is someone really crazy or how do we determine that and and maybe maybe we should just let people be who they are what a 70s fucking attitude towards the mentally disturbed right just let them go free so they can eat garbage and be sick all the time so you feel bad when you walk through a city and you see them and you're like, these people need help. And no matter how much you vote to try to get them help, the conservatives all say, no, we don't want to help them. Remember, one floor of the cuckoo's nest, they should be free to do. But just so long as they yes. don't eat garbage. Because there are only two possibilities, either complete, <laughs> you know, neglect and homelessness or brutal institutionalism. That's the That's only right. two possibilities. Well, anyway, hey, Steve, what movie did we watch that didn't help anybody? Oh, oh boy. Anything other than a few producers make a lot of money. Oh, Jesus Christ, a lot oh, of boy. money. Oh, um, boy. Um, we are reviewing the classic 1975 movie that won so many Oscars, they had to make up new categories that night to keep giving it Oscars. I think Danny DeVito won Best Performance by an Actor Playing a Squinty-Eyed Pervert. That Danny year. DeVito they just made it up. They just made it up for him. Uh, we are reviewing One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Hooray! I've seen both the play and the oh. movie, and I read the book. I have read the book and seen the movie. I've never seen the play. The play's not that much different from the movie. I mean, but it's that's, just that's a, my it's a play. Because the movie's adapted from the play. I mean, You know who was in the play? The original play? The original was Kirk Douglas. Oh, yeah. Good old yeah. lefty Kirk Douglas. I want to make this movie about crazy people. <laughs> when, when Kirk Douglas chokes Nurse Ratchet, you believe it. Well, I mean, he was in the play and he wanted to make this movie for for so yeah. long that he aged out of the yeah. out of the uh, because part. I think the the and, book was the book was published in the early 60s. The play came out not too long after that and Kirk Douglas, yeah, was the first star of the play on Broadway and owned the rights to the movie mm-hmm. and it just, you know, it took so long to get And it nobody wanted that... to make it. They were like, no, no, this is icky. No, this is icky. No, this is icky. Wait, you die at the end? Yes. No. No. <laughs> and then it got to be the 70s and that wasn't yeah. such a problem anymore because actually movies are all pretty gross and depressing well, one now. Of the so... problems, one of the problems <laughs> that I do have it. with it is that it is still set in 1962. The movie's still set yeah. in 1962. Yes. And the practices that they portray and what was going on with mental institutions in the mid-70s was no longer in practice at that time. 
most notably electroshock therapy and lobotomies yeah, were not yeah. things that were being practiced in 1975. <laughs> they, they had finally stopped doing that for the most part by the 70s. Right. In 1962, that kind of subject matter was kind of important. But mm-hmm. by 1975, things and attitudes had changed that, quite honestly, we were defunding state institutions at this point. The solution, yeah, the solution was not a good solution. People recognized that it was a problem that needed fixed, but the solution was, well, let's just get rid of these metal hospitals and replace them with nothing. Have them be, you know, roaming the street and, you know, let's have everything will be great. Wind up in prison or, you know, like it was, it was, yeah, exactly. Let's just, let's just put them in prison. We got the prisons right there. They're already here. They don't need help. Jesus. Anyway. Anyway, Steve, do you have any trivia about this fucking movie that we watched, One One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? I do. I do have trivia about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I have so much trivia about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Great. Um, While filming the fishing scene, every cast member got seasick except for Jack Nicholson. That's because he was drunk the whole time. Because he was drunk the whole time. He was drunk the entire time he filmed it. No. Well, that's too bad. Everybody that was on that boat got got seasick. Uh, uh, Apparently, except for Jack. You know what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to take Dramamine for two days before you get on the goddamn boat. Well, I guess nobody told Christopher Lloyd. There's only two ways to avoid it. You either ride on the boat several times until you get used to it. You get used to it, yeah. Or you take some drama, mean, so you don't, you don't, I, look, I used to go deep sea fishing with my dad all the time. We'd get up early at the butt crack of dawn. The, the, the bay was glass smooth water. You get out past the Golden Gate. And as soon as you hit the Golden Gate Bridge, that's when the swells start hitting. And you're, if you haven't taken your Dramamine, you're up chucking the entire way. Couldn't this production company have afforded some Dramamine for the fucking actors? God damn it. Apparently not, you know. Okay, whatever. I don't care. Next. Kirk Douglas was asked, and he said, tell him to puke like men. Kirk didn't have anything to do with this. He sold the rights to his son. To That's Michael true, Douglas. Michael Douglas. So Michael Douglas was like, tell him to puke like men. Mm-hmm. Would have um, been nice if Michael had cast his father in something. In this movie? Yeah. Maybe one of the, like one of the, one of the crazies on the ward? No, why couldn't he have been the psychiatrist? He could have been the general, like the old guy with the beard in the wheelchair who like waves sure. the one. No, I don't want him to be don't. That's he wasn't that old at that point. I know, I, mean, I know, I know. Okay, but okay, I was just actually you mentioned the 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 psychiatrist or the 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 Doctor Spivey. Um, do you think Kirk Douglas would have? I mean, would it have if, if Kirk Douglas? Because he's only in a couple scenes. And he like, might if have Kirk been Douglas a little just dis- kind of pops up. It would have been a little disorienting, but like, hey, is that Kirk fucking Douglas as the doctor? I know, I know. I, it, here's the thing. McMurphy, they say you're faking it. <laughs> I don't, I, he can calm himself down. He, Kirk Douglas was a, was he, a good he's actor. He's a great actor. He's a great actor. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, he, he's not the cartoon that, you know, people do when they, when they do a, like an impression. But I mean, Exactly. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, he could have had, I don't know, he could have played one of the doctors and, grew a beard you know the doctor that 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 when he first comes in to the hospital right that could have worked couldn't have he could have he could have played somebody but no his selfish boomer son had (laughs) it's gonna be mine dad my oscar my movie uh because what was he doing at the time that he that he made this movie 
that he produced it. The Streets I of San did. Francisco. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he was doing TV stuff. Most people only knew him for that. Okay. Not anymore. Any, any other trivia? You oh yeah. Well, we just mentioned a Doctor Spivey, the um, the who is like the the boss doctor in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy who plays him, uh, Dean Brooks, was the actual superintendent of the hospital where they shot the movie. Most of the film was shot on location at the Oregon State Hospital. And mm-hmm. not only is Dr. Spivey played by the actual superintendent of the hospital, but most of the background actors were patients at the hospital. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the when you watch the movie, if it feels very authentic, that's because it was shot in a real hospital and the extras were actual patients at the hospital patients. so they were metal patients yeah. they were metal our movie is metal um this was a random piece of trivia that i found that i'd had i had never heard this and i do not know details i don't know what the backstory is i don't have an explanation so i will just lay this out here for mm. people to hear and appreciate the movie was so popular in sweden it ran in theaters for 12 years from 1975 to 1987. Why did Swedish people love One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest so much? It ran in theaters for 12 years. I have their, no idea. It was their Christmas movie. Yeah, they loved it every year. Come on, kids. We're going to see Cuckoo's Nest. Papa, I have turned six. May I please go see One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Of course. Of course. Bring, of course. Your, bring your licorice fish candy to the thing. <laughs> We will we will buy a, a pan of boiled fish heads to watch. Like we do every week. Boiled fish heads. You're trying to figure out why the Swedish people like this thing for 12 years. Just eat one of their candies, for God's sake. It was- Swedish fish don't come from Switzerland. I mean, from Sweden. <sighs> oh if they God. do, I'm I'm just making that up. But if they do, that's the one. That's the the rest of their candy is like mm, boiled dog, and it's like no. Please. <laughs> Wait, that's no. a candy? That's not even a savory dish? That boiled dog is a candy? <laughs> I'm horrified, but also interested. I want to know uh, the story. You don't look up a whole lot. I mean, aside from Swedish meatballs. True. What else is there from Sweden? What's the we, cuisine? We go, yeah. I'm Norwegian. Okay. <laughs> Norway. Mm, <laughs> Swedish. Num, num, num. But Norway has even less. You name a single fucking thing from Norway that people go, oh, he's delicious. I can tell you what I get from Norway. Lutefisk, where they said, hey, let's cure fish in fucking poison and then have to boil it for that's, years. That's where, they, that's, that's where they, they cure it in lye, right? Lutefisk, yeah, it's cured in yeah. lye. Yeah. And then here's how you cook it. Yeah. <laughs> you take the dried this you, dried thing. You get <laughs> baptized and say a prayer so your immortal soul is taken care of. And then <laughs> make sure you're sin free before you eat it. But what you do is <laughs> you get up you boil you put it in hot water and then once that water gets cloudy, you dump that water, you put more water in it and you keep doing it until the water's not cloudy anymore because that means the lie is gone and what you're left with is fish jello. And it's jello, but it tastes like fish. And what you do is you, you, you put as much salt on it as you possibly can and eat it as quickly as possible while it's hot. Because God forbid you get it into your mouth cold. And that's <laughs> that's Lutefisk. The only other thing that um, is Norwegian that I really like is Lefse, 
which is is a, a flatbread. It's a potato, you know, made out of potatoes, and it's like a tortilla except you put butter and sugar in it, and Ooh. and it's good, you know, it's good. But I mean, it's not famous, right? No one yeah. goes. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to go to the Norwegian restaurant this weekend. To get more Pumpflugel or reindeer strips or whatever they have. <laughs> whatever they have. Yeah. So, um, well, how do we get on this? <laughs> um, we, I, 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 my second trivia oh, it's the number item. One. It was, it was the, the most popular movie in Sweden from 1975 welcome to 1987. To, welcome to Sweden, where we have mandated that everyone must go see One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, the number one American comedy ever to land. <laughs> that's it the the uh the 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 uh the uh you know dark psyche of the swedes mm-hmm. yeah they thought it was just fucking hilarious they love the ending they love the oh, ending. so funny and then the huge american man he break a window he's an american <laughs> indian man he break a window huge american indian man he break a window why not he use that i have no idea what this accent is why not he use a door how come now you're it's doing funny. hans and franz i know i am <laughs> why not he use a door he is so a big and strong he could crush the lock in his hand a scandinavian accent is not an accent that i've ever been able to do yeah. Ever and uh, apparently neither a lot of other people have had problems with it. I mean, look yeah. at Jim Henson. They said, "Jim, we have a character called the Swedish Chef. Can He's you do like, an accent?" Okay. And he went, "I'll do nope. my best. <laughs> I'm just going to morky borky my way through dorky, the morky, mork, 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 mork. Is that is that anything? It's is that close? Nothing like their language. <laughs> like that's the best Swedish accent I've ever heard, Jim. Mork, mork, mork. <laughs> It's amazing. Right. Are you sure you, you, have you any, didn't study? You didn't have, have a dialect any, coach? Any yeah, yeah. Okay, so okay, good. So so Jack Nicholson and Milos Forman, the director, did not get along during the production, uh, owing mainly uh, drastic creative differences. Uh, and at one point early in the production, Nicholson and most of the rest of the cast, who also took his side in this dispute, just flat out refused to come to rehearsal. And uh, and Nicholson started having his own rehearsals instead, apart from Foreman. And uh, they only they they didn't during production they didn't even speak to each other. They would use the cinematographer as a go between, and they would only (laughs) they would only they would only speak to each other directly when there was a studio boss on the set, and they had to pretend that they got along for the sake of the movie. Um, Yeah, it's and it's like they they apparently got along. Jack, shut up. You're getting paid more than anybody else on the on the production. Yeah. And you get and also Nicholson got a piece of the profits. I know he did. And which, which, which made which a turned out to ton. be a very yeah, turned out to be a very smart move on his part because believe it or not, this was a massive commercial hit. Mm-hmm. Um so I mean this movie made like something like a hundred million dollars in like the seventies. It yeah. was fucking crazy. I can tell you exactly uh, how much that is in, in right now money. Yeah. Because yeah, oh, yeah, you're gonna, because, because, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, several cast members found the production so immersive that they developed concerns about their own mental health. Danny oh, DeVito God. began speaking to an imaginary friend to help deal with the isolation he felt during the shoot. He even uh-huh. spoke. He spoke to Dean Brooks about it, but Brooks mm-hmm. reassured him that he was okay as long as he was still able to identify his character as fictional. Uh, Sidney Lasik, who plays Cheswick, disappeared so deeply into his character that the producers became concerned 
Doctors at the hospital where they were filming said, don't worry, if things get out of control, we have the proper medication. Now, here's the thing about both of those trivia pieces. Mm-hmm. It, is enti- it is entirely possible that one or both of those is just actor bullshit. Just fucking lies. Um, it's entirely possible that Danny DeVito, years later, was asked to tell some stories from the set of Cuckoo's Nest, and he told a story about having an imaginary friend that he talked to because he missed his wife because he was on location for however many weeks, mm-hmm. that that didn't actually happen. He just thought that would be a good story. Yeah. I don't know. It may, it may be true, but it, it, it carries the whiff of that may be a, a touch it of actor trivializes actual mental disorders when actors make pretend that they went cuckoo playing a crazy person now it may also be possible that because they're actors and they're kind of you know full of themselves anyway and maybe more given to fanciful interpretations of things than other people maybe danny devito actually thought that he was having a mental health crisis when he was just being a little too precious i don't care i don't care if he thought he did Look at it this way. You're, you're playing a crazy person in a movie. You come out and you say, hey, I started talking to an imaginary person, then got zero treatment and just got over it. <laughs> and I just got better when I when I was done the movie. Yeah. Then I think you were OK. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like how, you know, he thought he was turning into a penguin when he was making Batman Returns. And then it no, he, he was didn't. fine. Like after the movie. <laughs> Shut up, <laughs> After Steven. the movie wrapped, he was fine. I know you love that um, movie. Shut up. I do. Up. It's... <laughs> I do. I do enjoy. I enjoy that movie quite a bit. Um, okay, so Will Sampson was suggested for the role of chief by Mel Lambert, who plays the harbor master. Lambert was not a professional actor, but was a local car salesman who had strong ties to the local Native American community, which is how he knew Sampson. Mm-hmm. And uh, Will Sampson was cast as chief mainly because of his size. He was yeah. the only Native American in the area who was anywhere close to as big as chief was supposed to be. Yeah. So he wasn't an actor. No. But he went on to have a pretty respectable career. He, yes, he, he uh, appeared. He appeared in two dozen films and TV series uh, until his death in 1987 from complications following a heart and lung transplant. Unfortunately, he had a scleroderma, which damaged his organs, and he only lived to be, I think he wasn't even 50 when he died, or maybe in his early 50s. But uh, yeah, I mean, but yeah, you know, you watch this movie and you think, oh man, Chief, he's pretty good. I wonder what else he's done. He really hadn't done anything before this, but he Mm. did stuff after this because it turned out he was a pretty good actor. Yeah. Um, and finally, as we mentioned already, uh, the film is not directed a, a, a adapted directly from Ken Kesey's novel. It no. is actually adapted from the stage play by Dale Wasserman that was yes. adapted from the novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ken Kesey, the author of the original novel, was not happy with the movie. Whatever. Uh, which differs from his novel in several significant ways. And I've read the novel and the novel is brilliant. I love the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie is a lot different, but I love the movie too. It's you know well, the novel things. is told um, from from chief uh, from chief chief's perspective, yeah. yeah, from chief's and, perspective. And a lot of it, and a lot of it, like the novel as written is would be really difficult to film because a lot it of it is internal monologue. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they had to change certain things, especially if they were adapting it to the stage. You know, where you have even less, you know, even more limitations than you would in a movie. Um, so it became a play first, and the play was a big hit. 
and uh, then it became a movie. But Ken Kesey was not happy with the movie. He was not happy with the changes made to his his novel. He he he, he said publicly he he refused to watch the movie. He was never ever going to watch the movie. Uh, to the point where, like, I think even Stephen King was like, "All right, calm down." Uh, <laughs> but uh, but many years later, after the movie had been out and had become, you know, like a, a, a considered a classic, many many years later, Ken Kesey was at home late at night watching TV, flipping through the channels, and he was looking for something to watch, and he found this movie. And he was watching it for a little bit, and it seemed interesting. And then after a few minutes, he realized that the movie he was watching was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and he changed the channel. So that's commitment. Even we, even though he was kind of getting into it, when he realized what it was, he was like, oh, shit, fuck, and he changed the channel. And he so, rejected all the money from it and everything else. I mean, no, actually, he sued. I think he probably got more money than he was initially owed for you know writing the book because he's he was so pissed off at the changes they made he sued the production company and got some kind of a settlement i don't think he got everything he was asking for but they paid him off with something so you know the squeak the squeaky wheel got the grease in that case but anyway that's all my trivia okay great ready for the who mades it yeah it was directed by milos foreman and he made one of our favorite movies ever huh steve he made yeah he well he made amadeus he made amadeus but he also made man on the moon which drove what's his face crazy and Mm -hmm. yeah he's the reason why we we lost uh jim carrey (laughs) yeah he's gone since then it's been like yeah he's kind of gone um he also directed ragtime uh screenplay by uh lawrence something lawrence halbin nothing and bo goldman who also wrote dick tracy and scent of a woman so you know the script is great right because boy oh boy dick tracy and scent of a woman i do like dick tracy as someone said about. hey I we're writing like it i hate that fucking movie i and know tracy, i know but i mean it's like they sat down and they said hey we need to get a writer for dick tracy let's get the guy who wrote <laughs> One flew, over the one flew over the cuckoo's nest. <laughs> He'll be perfect. Based on One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest by Ken Ke- Ken Kesey, as we talked about, he does not appreciate the movie, the money that it got him. Because uh, have you guys heard of anything else he's done? Fucking no, you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> produced by Saul Zentz, who also produced Amadeus and The English Patient. And just a handful of movies, but everyone loves talking about how great Saul's Ants was. I don't care. I don't care. Also produced by Michael Douglas. And you know him. He's that guy who keeps marrying younger and younger women. Or at least one. He married what? Catherine. He married Catherine Zeta. Catherine Zeta Jones. And then he got throat cancer for eating her out too much. Is that what happened? That's oh, no. what he that's what he he has strongly implied. Now he never said that it was because he was eating out Catherine Zeta Jones, but he strongly implied that he got throat cancer because of HPV, which he contracted through oral sex with one of his lady friend partners. You know, but fortunately, from, he but yeah. fortunately he's okay. You know, from Ant Man. Yeah. Yeah. His his crowning work. And, his greatest achievement. Uh, what was that fucking eighties boomer bullshit movie? Wall Street. Oh, yeah. And Revenging the Stone. What was it? Romancing the Stone. Romancing the Stone. Revenging the Stone. That's the Asylum version. Yeah. Starring Jack Nicholson. I don't. Stop it. I'm not going to insult you by telling you what else he's 
been in. Jesus. But I can tell you who else they considered. Ooh. And all of them turned it down. Because I can't imagine what the script looked like. Because a lot of this seemed improv. Yeah. But they offered it to Gene Hackman. And they could have stopped. And I could have said, Gene, really? This is going to win yeah. all the Oscars, Gene. Yeah, you just could... do it. You'll, you'll win two years in a row because he had just Damn. won for French Connection. So you'll win two years in a row. Not in a row. Not was it not row. the Was it not the year before? Oh, that's right. French this came out in seventy five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, French Connection was like seventy two. Conversation anyway, was before yeah. this. The conversation was before this. Yes, mm. um, and also Hackman was who Ken Kesey wanted, and the studio yeah. said, <laughs> "Yeah, we're gonna." No, the studio didn't say that. Gene Hackman literally said, "No, I don't want to do it." <laughs> Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman drove to Ken Kesey's house and said, "Fuck you, James Con." James Con. That would have been great. Marlon Brando. Oh my God. Can you imagine what, first of all, he may, he may well have been great, but can you imagine what a nightmare if fucking Milos Foreman couldn't get along with Jack Nicholson? Can you imagine if fucking Brando was on this set with these actors in this location? Like, mm -hmm. oh. And the last one is Burt Reynolds. Yeah, that would have been Bert trying to prove he can act, which he can, which he could. But it was you know. interesting in that he turned yeah. it down. He's got that movie with him and Sally Field. And they're going to yeah. drive all over the place in the South. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Louise Fletcher is Nurse Mildred Ratchet, and you know her for movies like Mama Dracula. And <laughs> <laughs> Who could forget? And Deep Space Nine. She had a weird career. Want to know why? Because she wasn't conventionally attractive, and this kind of you know, this kind of typecast her. Yeah, and it was sort of like it's it's similar to what happened to F. Murray Abraham after he won Best Actor for Salieri, and his what 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 has happened to a lot of actors and actresses who you know had one great performance. This isn't a great performance. Okay, we're really going to differ on this. This really isn't a great um, performance. It's an okay performance. I think. It's I okay. think it's one of. I it's it's maybe my favorite best actress Oscar winning performance I've ever seen. It's one of my favorite performances <laughs> in any movie I've ever seen. I okay. love I, I love Louise Fletcher as Nurse Ratched, but um, but no, yeah. it was one of those things where like it's hard to replicate because she's not really playing a type that comes up a lot. You know, just like it's not like they're making movies with Sally Aries in it every other fucking week and they're not making movies with Nurse Ratchets in it. So, you know, yeah. she didn't really. But she was one when she showed up on Deep Space Nine. I, I was I, when she showed up on Deep Space Nine. I, I was I had I had seen Cuckoo's Nest. I was I think I was 12 or 13, but I had seen Cuckoo's Nest mm. and I knew who she was. And when I when it registered to me that it was Louise Fletcher in fucking Star Trek, even as like a twelve year old, I was like, "What name, the fuck is Louise Fletcher a, doing in Star Trek?" Name another Louise Fletcher movie. Well, there, does there have to be one? She's made a lot of them. She has. No, she has. She yes, yeah, she had a career. Like she one was of a working them was actor. But... Mama Dracula. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen that, but now I want to see that. That sounds great. Um, it does. It's not. That sounds okay. great. No, I, mean, I, I get the feeling she got a lot of work that Ellen Burstyn turned down because they have even they Ellen have Burstyn very similar got looks. more work. I mean, Jesus. Uh, Will Sampson is Chief yeah. Broom or Bromden. He was also in Poltergeist 2 and the Outlaw Josie Wales. That's right. That's right. And then his heart and his lungs exploded and he died. The, whatever Steve said happened to yeah. him. Yeah, he was so heartbroken when he heard that they finally stopped showing it in Sweden. That he William died. Redfield as Dale Harding. And he was in Death Wish and a bunch of other movies. And he was diagnosed with leukemia while making this fucking yeah. movie. Yeah. He made a couple others and then he died. Brad yep. Dorff is Billy Bibbit. And you know him as the voice of Chucky. 
That's and right. And also from the Lord of the Rings movies. Yep. And, he was and I think he was in, in he was Dune. in Deadwood. It was Dune and Deadwood. You know who he is. Don't yeah. Great Sydney, character actor. Sydney Lasik is Charlie Cheswick, character actor. This is like character actor of the movie. Okay, oh so if Charlie Lasik, you'll recognize him from TV and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, Christopher Lloyd is Max Tabor. Don't make me. <laughs> Don't even start. You know who he is. Yeah, you know who he is. Danny DeVito is Martini, and it's the only movie performance or TV performance of Danny DeVito that isn't him being Danny DeVito. That's. I think that's probably fair. <laughs> you know. After Taxi, that was his. That, that was, was he was. He I'm did. that guy now. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, let's see. Dean Brooks is Doctor John Spivey. Nothing. William Duell as Jim Seffeld. Nothing. Vincent Chiavelli. We know him. He's another character oh actor as yep. Bruce Fredrickson, and you know him. He was in everything. He's an Amadeus. He's huh. been in everything. Yeah, he was in Amadeus. He was in Star Trek. He was in a mm-hmm. ton of movies and TV. He's yeah. He's been yeah. everything. Michael Berryman is Ellis, and you know him as, as the creepy dude with no hair. Pick something. He's been in everything. Do I think he's a good actor? I have no fucking idea because very seldom does he ever get lines. Yeah, he gets, he gets cast for his look, and mm-hmm. and rightly so because you know nobody else looks like that. Alonzo Brown is attendant Miller. Nothing. Mwako Kumbaka as guy from a Star Wars movie, I guess. Mwako Kumbaka <laughs> as attendant Warren. Nathan George as attendant Washington. He was in Serpico. He also won a Pulitzer Prize for writing a play, but who gives a shit about that? Marius uh-huh. Small. As candy, nothing really. And Scatman Crothers as Night Guard Turkle. And we all know him as the voice of Jazz, the Autobot from, from Transformers <laughs> the Cartoon That's show. right. That's right. And also and, getting an axe in the chest from Jack Nicholson. Say, another ill-fated attendant character from The Shining. You know who was almost <laughs> in this movie? Shelley Duvall. Was almost. Oh, that would have been some shit. That that would it would have like so. The Shining was almost a serious cuckoo's nest reunion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what else? Cinematography by Haskell Wexer, and he did movies like In the Heat of the Night and Mulholland Falls. Bill, oh, there's another cinematographer. That's weird. Bill Butler, who did the Conversation and Jaws and Rocky Three. Why do they need two of them? Because apparently Haskell Wexler was fired. Was he really? Yeah, I'm not sure why, but apparently Haskell Wexler was fired during production, so they had to bring okay. in Bill Butler. So to maybe you him. can explain this thing. Edited by Richard Jew, who edited movies like The Conversation, The Man Who Saved Star Wars, and Risky mm-hmm. Business. Also, Lindsay Klingman, who's edited A River Runs Through It, and Matilda, and Sheldon Kahn, who's edited movies like Ghostbusters and Space Jam. Why did this need three editors, Steve? I don't know. I they really fire don't know. them and fire them and <laughs> fire them. <laughs> Apparently, Milos Foreman was the problem, not Jack Nicholson. You're fired. <laughs> You're fired. Give me another editor in here. God damn, you cocksuckers are going to make this fucking movie. Music by Jack Nietzsche. 
<laughs> he did the music for The Exorcist and um, An Officer and a Gentleman. Production company, Fantasy Films, distributed by United Artists. Release date, November 19th, 1975. Running time, 135 minutes. Budget, $4.4 million. Adjusted for inflation, $24 million. Box office, $163.3 million. Adjusted for inflation, we're never getting this again, guys. This kind of movie making is over. Or something, a movie like this that really has no plot. <laughs> True. Yeah. Can make $923 million. Yeah. In adjusted money. Yeah. That's nearly a billion. You know what made more money than this movie, Steve, in 1975? What? Jaws. Jaws. <laughs> yeah. And I think it, it was, was Jaws. Yeah. Jaws cuckoo's nest yeah think about that when when was the last time that the year-end box office total was like you know crowd-pleasing popcorn adventure movie number one jaws is a piece of art don't don't you oh i love jaws i love jaws but i'm just saying like it's 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 you know it's a summer movie it's like the prototypical summer movie well then we didn't have a summer movie until jaws came around okay but but and then number and then number two is like super serious oscar-winning best picture movie you know what i mean like yeah. it just it, it it like drama adapted from a broadway play starring a cast of distinguished actors like it just it never it hasn't <sighs> happened it, it may not have happened since you, this you could say I mean, that cuckoo's nest is what prevented jaws from winning a lot of oscars quite possibly because yeah well, jaws was nominated for best picture wasn't it i think so yeah i think so yeah but everyone <laughs> like it they, made all the money in the world except to give except everything to cuckoo's nest right yeah yeah and that's why you're resentful of it because it stole oscars from jaws no don't give a shit about any oscars <laughs> at all i know i know how much you care about the oscars Oscars <laughs> are pointless um but i mean it made a huge amount of money and can you imagine oh, yeah. someone putting out a movie like this now well and, and you know what's you know what's interesting when you you bring that up people when they talk about this movie today they almost never bring up how much money it made no like you hear the thing because it, it 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 ran the table at the oscars it won all five of the five major oscars which was only the second time that had happened and i think it's only happened once since then um yep you know so and people talk about that a lot which is legitimate but they yeah. never talk about the fact that it made almost all the money in the world that year like the only movie that beat it that year at the box office was fucking jaws and everybody jaws. talks about how much money jaws made and again rightly so it was a it was a a watershed event in the industry but cuckoo's nest made almost as much mm -hmm. and people don't but talk about the money the other thing is that cuckoo's nest is slipping away as a classic i think give it give it another 20 years and people will know it as a maybe uh, cinephiles will know it as a movie that came out in the mid 70s yeah but did it really inspire anything or change anything or do anything other than holy shit it won all the oscars and jack nicholson is in it no well and and also i mean it did come out in the 70s like it, a movie like this could only have been made in the 70s but it came out in the 70s and as much as i love this movie it's surrounded by movies that you you understand why people remember them more than you know like if you're going to talk about one movie from this year it's going to be jaws i mean Regardless, this recap guys yeah. this recap is going to be fucking short <laughs>
<laughs> but like think you know like it came out the same year as jaws and if they're and if you're only going to talk about one movie from 75 it's one american gonna fucking movie, be jaws it's gonna be it's gonna be jaws and for all kinds of really good reasons because mm. jaws set a trend that we're still in today for the most part and cuckoo's nest didn't and I mean, the year before Cuckoo's Nest was Chinatown, yeah. which, you know, well, in it's the, one in, of the reasons why he yeah. demanded so much, you know, money yeah. for it. Was so like, it's kind of it's 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 just it's sort of lost in what a great decade of movies that it came out in. It doesn't really if you so. if you know about movies, I mm. mean, you, of course, you you know, Cuckoo's Nest, you've probably seen it. You have maybe some appreciation for it. So but here's the do you want to hear the list for that year for 75? Oh, sure, Jaws, yeah. Jaws, of course, was number one. Okay. And thankfully, they also list tickets sold because, according to oh, yeah. this, yeah, because that's like a John sold 126 million tickets. That's fucking insane. The next one down was Cuckoo's Nest, and they, they only sold 53 million. So it's, it's crazy. Less it's than crazy. half. And then the rest of them are like shampoo. Does yeah. anyone remember that? Really? I kind of vaguely remember it as that sex comedy that uh, what's his name made? Um, mm -hmm. Oh, God damn it. Shirley McLean's brother. <laughs> why am I? Why am I blanking? Uh, <laughs> oh, what's his? Like, we just Shirley McLean's brother. Warren Beatty. Warren Beatty. Thank you. We were just talking about Dick Tracy. Yeah, we're talking Jesus. about Dick Tracy. Yeah. Dog Day Afternoon. There you go. Amen. Oh, my Amen. God. What a year. Came in fourth. Okay. Could you imagine a movie like Dog Day Afternoon even oh. placing in the top 10? I was going to say, if Dog Day Afternoon came out today, it would get a limited run in theaters mm -hmm. to qualify for Oscars. And if mm -hmm. you were lucky, it might play for a week at your local movie theater. The reason why we were plagued with these movies, and even though I do find them funny, The Return of the Pink Panther was number five. Yeah. Okay. A uh, movie for your grandpa, Three Days of the Condor. Oh, yeah. Was number six. Funny Lady, something for your mom. Something called The Other Side of the Mountain, which I've never heard of, but was I number can't eight. I can't place that. I don't know. Wow. Freak Out Weirdo movie that was really popular. Uh, a popular thing to do was to take a rock band and do a whole movie based on uh, on an album. Tommy oh, was number yeah. nine. Yeah, yeah, we all we're all talking, still talking about Tommy. That classic film. People, the album, not so much the movie. <laughs> <laughs> number, number ten. Remember when I told you that while I was while the first time I watched Jaws was in a movie theater when I was six years old, mm -hmm. because I wasn't supposed to be watching it because we were supposed to be watching at the time, playing on the other screen. The Apple Dumpling Gang was number oh, ten. Oh yeah, my God. Talk about like a time capsule of like a transitional period in Hollywood where the top mm. of the top 10 is Jaws. Number 10 is the Apple Dumpling. It just feels weird to think of those two movies coexisting, you know? It, you know, it, it made more money than Rollerball. Oh. It made more money than Rollerball. But the Apple you Dumpling. You can't believe that. Yeah. Well, it had that fucking uh, mm -hmm. Don Knotts star power. It mm. carried it, you know? Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore came in at number 20. Oh, social issue movie. Yeah, was it? Not really. Not really. It was just a, about a lady that for a divorce worked at a diner. Mm -hmm. So we had Rooster Cogburn and the Shootist. Wow, quite a year. I know for the Duke. He's about to die soon. He's about to die soon. <laughs> the movie The Stepford Wives came in thirtieth. 
Wow. And that's one of the best remembered movies from that year, I would think. Yeah, at least good enough for people to remake it, I guess. The Rocky Horror Picture Show was 34th, but that was a cult movie for a really yeah, long that, time. That, yeah, that like was like a roadshow thing. Like People discovered it you know, years later. But I mean, there's movies in there like Bite the Bullet, The French Connection 2, which never oh, should have been made. Yeah, yeah. Which was... It came in at 24th, but movies like The Iger Sanction, which is something I know my grandfather said at some point. I'm watching The Iger Sanction. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't care. That sounds horrible. What do you mean? WW and the Dixie Dance Kings. Number 20. Oh, yeah. Uh, Everybody loves that one. What is this one? The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Who was in that one? It doesn't say. It doesn't say. It doesn't matter. Just, it was weird. Okay. Just w- one were- of the 15,000 Sherlock Holmes movies that have been made. <laughs> the point we're trying to make is that it was different in the 1970s. It was different. Yeah. <laughs> movies that today you would not even have heard of at all no. were top 10 box office movies. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. All right, you ready to be institutionalized, Steve? I am so ready to be institutionalized. Great, then let's me and you get lobotomized <laughs> and dragged Yay. back to our beds as we run into the world of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Steve? Yes. Take it away. Well, it's beautiful Oregon, and somebody's... Yeah. Morning. And it's somebody's, morning. It's, it's, mor- it's morning in Oregon. And it's time for us to take the crazy people to the insane asylum. <laughs> uh, um, someone's playing the saw yeah. as as a car is approaching. And as the car approaches, we cut to the inside of the mental hospital where, oh, everybody's just waking up. The rooster has crowed, so to speak. The mm-hmm. orderlies have arrived. Nurse it's Ratchet like someone's has arrived. making a coffee commercial, but it's just exactly. an insane asylum. Yeah, they're turning on the lights. People are waking up. They're setting out the pills and getting ready for the day it's Um, more it's it's time for you to get up before the chronic masturbators know that you're awake and they're making you could just cut to a nurse making senka and it's perfect taking a long sniff and having like a satisfying smile before she before she takes the first sip have you Um, ever done that have you ever opened a bag of anything and smelled it and and has anybody done that yeah no I just, you know why? Because when I make coffee, it's early in the morning and I just want my fucking coffee. <laughs> I'm not standing there care. smelling it like, ooh, so good. No, I just put, put it in the fucking <laughs> coffee machine. Make the coffee. I don't fucking. <laughs> Have you ever put your face close to anything of food ever before you ate it? No, because usually if it smells good, you can smell it. You don't have to put it close to your face. You smell well, it you do if as you're, you're in, in the act of eating. It's got to be well, right yeah. up next to your face. It's, it's, yeah. you it's like, oh, oh, my God. Oh. No matter what it is. Oh, I yeah. You did it with fucking cereals and children. It smells so yeah. fruity. Just, like, just, eat the, just eat your fruit, you loops, you little gonna bastard. Do? You're going to cram it down your throat on Saturday morning. Shut up. <laughs> Just watch Super Friends and eat your cereal and shut up. Leave Gives me alone. This is the smell. only day I can sleep in, you little bastards. <laughs> you're going to go. What are you going to go back to school on Monday and go, oh, my fruity pillow smells so good. It smells so good. And like, shut up, nerd. And they kill you. <laughs> you know what fruity pebbles smell like? Fucking fruity pebbles. That's what they smell like. Uh, I never liked nature smells like that. Here's how much of a anyway. freak. Here's how much how much of a freak I was. All right, ready? I okay. hated. I've always been. I've always been a a a savory, not a sweet. 
Always, even okay, when I was sure. a, even even when I was a kid. It's not like I hate ice cream. I mean, but I mean, it was like. But as a rule, like if you your your tendencies mm-hmm. lean toward the same. Sure. I didn't I didn't beg for Fruit Loops or Lucky Charms. Right. Or the the sugariest food that I the cereal I would ask for is life. Like life cereal. Like oh, mother, it's, please. It's, well, it's got cinnamon. You know, a little cinnamon and sugar in there. No, just just a little bit of sugar. Just, no cinnamon. Okay. Okay. You're thinking it's cinnamon. Oh, that's right. Life. Cinnamon, cinnamon life was a separate thing. That's right. The bastardized version of life that came around in the 1980s. <laughs> the life that I liked was the first one. It was that, the real one. <laughs> that you whelplings like to eat. I'm talking it's about the place. life from the Hey Mikey, he likes it. I like that you're a hipster about the kind of life cereal that you ate. No, no, no. I ate it before they even had the cinnamon version. But we, I, um, I asked for Cheerios, Ooh, which sure. were. Unsweetened Cheerios are sour. It's a sour fucking cereal, but I liked it. Mm-hmm. But my thing, my thing, my thing. Wheat bran. Oh. I'd ask for wheat bran or grape nuts. Oh, see, I okay. I grape nuts I don't get. Grape nuts? Oh, are you kidding? You put you pour it in, you put the you put the grape nuts in, you put the, the milk in, and then you just yeah. let it sit for like you three wait. hours. Yeah, I was gonna say you come back. You, you yeah. it's, like you, you're, it's like when you're you're cooking something in a slow cooker. Just leave mm-hmm. it. Just, just leave, leave it, it and forget about it. Leave it on the yeah. counter. And then once we got a microwave, oh boy. Oh boy. It was hot time for Jason on Saturday morning. I remember my first experience with grape nuts was my pap liked them. And so he would always have grape nuts, you know, on hand and he would have them for breakfast sometimes. And Mm. so when I would come over here to the house I'm in now, which used to be my pap's house um, and, and, and spend the weekend, you know, I would always see like a box of grape nuts. And mm-hmm. I would always be like, I wonder what that is. And finally, I got curious and I said, hey, Pop, can I have some grape nuts? And he was like, sure. Because your pap had a sense of humor on him. Yeah, exactly. He, I'm sure he could see what was coming. Yeah. And so I, I poured the grape nuts in, poured in the milk, took a bite. And, my and you first went thought, out. I looked, I swear to God, I looked at my grandfather and my first thought was, you have false teeth. Yeah, how are you eating this? How are you eating this? You let it go soft. <laughs> you let it go it. soft. And I'm like, well, I want to eat now. <laughs> I don't I this it's a bowl of cereal. I'm not cooking I want, something. I want to eat it now. Was made to eat right away. It was made yeah, for lazy so, people. But Put I will say Yes. I will say I mean I I can relate a little bit cuz my favorite cereals when I was a kid were never the super sweet ones either. Like um, I liked I liked Cheerios, but my favorite and one of my favorite cereals to this day that I'll still get sometimes if I'm in the mood for cereal is uh Crispix, which has like no flavor at all. <laughs> I mean Crispix. Jesus, that was Crispix. like made I love for Crispix. old people. I love I've loved Crispix since I was a little kid. I love it. And you know why? Because it stays crispy in milk. Corn bran. I used to like corn bran, which oh, yeah. was just basically little pillows, razor blade pillows that would destroy the inside of your mouth. I yep. ate Captain Crunch once when I was a kid and it tore my mouth apart. You had to have surgery, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm bleeding. I can't stop. It's it, just coming it, out of my it, mouth. You shredded me. your tonsils. <laughs> you didn't need to have your tonsils out later because it just took you, you swallowed once and they were gone. Yeah. 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 Are, are we avoiding the movie? Because we were Let's, talking well, we about were, we breakfast were, We cereal. were about to. Yeah, we, I had just started. <laughs> we, we, McMurphy hasn't even gotten there yet. We just got started talking about. No. 
She's Saturday morning out. and cereal and Nurse Ratchet um, got there. Nurse Ratchet, early. that's right. Oh yeah, because we were talking about the coffee. We got into we were talking about the coffee commercials, and that yeah. sent us off on a tangent. So anyway, so but the they, car that they, was pulling up. Yeah, but then we don't even yeah. get to that part because they set up the pills, right? The pill, yeah. Everything's being set up for the day. Forward and get the pills, and we meet some of the characters without naming them, right? Medication time. And medication then a, time. Yeah, medication time. Yeah, like Teletubbies. Come get your pills, you fucking crazies. <laughs> Dude, we're saying and that. Nurse Ratchet's like, I told you not to call that. Anyway, and then a car arrives, and a guy gets out, and he's got handcuffs on. And it's Jack Nicholson, and you're like, oh, they finally arrested him. Mm-hmm. And Jack Nicholson thinks that he's pretending to be crazy so that he can get out of the work farm because he's that's, in prison. Yeah, yeah that's right. that that turns out to be the deal yeah but so he they, they take him into the hospital and they unlock his handcuffs and he like smiles and jumps up and down he's so happy he kisses one of the guys that brought him mm. in and then they bring him in to the the to the office so he can talk to the doctor not yet first he meets everybody he meets uh, does everybody he talk, playing, does he not talk to no, the doctor first he meets no he talks to <clears throat> he meets everybody he meets martini and harding and and uh what's his name oh that's right because they're, they're playing, they're playing and, cards yeah yeah and billy and they're all playing cards and uh, he shows off some nudie cards that he has which he doesn't show us which i'm very disappointed about but then I the know, orderlies get him the, yeah they introduce him to the psychiatrist and he's like, oh, so uh, you you've assaulted a lot of people. Yeah. And statutory rape. But it's the mm-hmm. 60s. So who cares? It's 1975. But it's 1963 in the movie. In, 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 it's you know. small. How come we had to take this long before we started giving a shit when 35 year olds had sex with 15 year olds? It feels like it, and it wasn't long, just a it? fucking hand wave. Yeah, you know, because that's what they do in this. Going on thirty-five, Doc. She really wanted it, and we're gonna—that's gonna be a legitimate way to get out of statutory rape. Well, although to be fair, he didn't get out of it. That's why he's in prison this time. No, he didn't. But we're obviously meant to feel like this wasn't. A we're, thing. Yeah, we're we're not. I'll 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 go this far with it. We are meant. We're not meant to let that like keep us from liking him. It's not meant to be such a big deal that we're like, oh fuck, no, I can't, I can't invest in this character like it wasn't treated as a big deal that way i don't like him yeah i don't like him i don't like him at all however i will say there may be legitimate reasons why he's been institutionalized oh for sure because he's not exactly acting all like all of his iron you know he's acting like a crazy person well and uh, yeah well i think one of the interesting things about him in the movie is there are things he does that you can interpret as him pretending to be crazy so that people will think he's crazy so that he can stay in the mental hospital instead of go back to prison. And then mm. there are things he does that feel like that's just genuinely who he is. That also yeah, seems like the kind the of movie, thing that somebody should once, be institutionalized for. Once one of the orderlies, because he says, I have 60 days. And yes. one of the orderlies says, no, you don't. You're here until yeah, we decide. You're here. Do yeah. Thing. You don't even you don't even know where you are. Yeah. yeah. Dummy. <laughs> because well, there I, are yeah, cases of people yeah. who pretended to be insane and got themselves diagnosed as to be schizophrenic or whatever whatever disorder and they wound mm. up serving way more time in an yeah. institution because yeah. they didn't realize that okay and then pretending that they're acting completely sane doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be released because no. psychiatrists recognize that pretending to be sane is something that insane people do 
Yeah, and and that's one of the reasons why genuine fake insanity pleas are incredibly rare. Yeah. Because because any lawyer worth anything will tell a client, okay, look. Do not do that. <laughs> if you're faking this because you think it'll be better, you're like, no, don't. That's not the way it works. Yeah. You think you're going to get a cushier stay or whatever? It's not no, the way it works. That's what everybody yeah. thinks. Oh, they'll put you up in some cushy hospital. You won't, like, no, they, if they think you're crazy and you need to be institutionalized, they're not just going to let you out in six months like they would have if you just went to jail. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So anyway. Uh, he meets with the doctor. They talk about all the shit that he's done. And then we meet their first like group session. Yeah. Because Nurse Ratchet has them have group therapy like every day. Mm-hmm. Nurse Ratchet has herself and her assistant, and they all sit around and they want to talk about Harding's. Okay, so here's well, they something. they don't all want to talk about it, but that's what they're talking about. That's what Harding. Well, that's what they're about. talking about. Well, I mean, kind of. Harding doesn't really want to talk about it. And one of the things about the Harding character that's kind of lost in a lot of this stuff is that it's implied that that the Harding character is gay. Well, he's really he's and really touchy about the, the, the really suggestion touchy. that he is. Yeah. Yeah, and that no, he's very. And he has about, marital problems, you know. Right, he wants like, to say he kinda... that he's very concerned about his wife having affairs on him. And in the book, his wife does show up, and mm-hmm. she is very attractive. Um, you know, conventionally attractive, and the the whole thing about Harding's character is that he's a closeted homosexual, and yeah. you know, it, that's what's causing all the problems now. I'm glad that this kind of gotten toned down because, you know, uh, institutionalizing homosexuals is something that we did for a while, isn't it, Steve? Yeah, it's yes, indeed, it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the movie Harding is basically just incredibly tightly wound. Yes. Um, and a little narcissistic, like when he mm-hmm. when 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 he's talking about in in the group there in that first group scene, when he's talking about his wife and everything like you get the feeling, especially from the reactions of the other patients, that they've talked about this a lot and that he yeah. has a tendency to talk about his his marriage and his problems and his suspicions with his wife. And mm. he kind of goes on and on and on and goes like really just talks a lot and, you know, and is good at and enjoys talking about himself and attempting to analyze his problems and everything in that way. And he seems like, he seems like a nice guy. He's one of my favorite characters in the movie. He seems like a nice guy, but he's incredibly tightly wound. He's super neurotic Mm -hmm. and he feels like the world kind of revolves around him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And we meet a whole bunch of other people and we never find out what their diagnoses are. No, none of them. In this round Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then we go outside and it's time to play basketball or what he notices is certain people get to go out, right? Yes. Get to go and out like on a, field a bus trip. and go somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And others do not. And um, earlier on, you know, he met you know, Jack Nicholson's character, met um, the chief. And, you know, he was told that the chief is deaf and dumb. Mm-hmm. And he starts doing a lot of culturally insensitive things in front of him in the hallway. Oh, yeah, he does the old-fashioned Indian thing, like beating his Mm -hmm. hand against his mouth and dancing Mm -hmm. around, yeah. But now they're out playing basketball, and what he's trying to do is get Chief to hold the ball so they can play basketball, right? Yes, yes. He's trying to teach him to dunk and hold his hands above his head, and then he jumps on on the back of another guy so that he can play basketball, and for whatever reason, uh, he's not 
quite dressed like the other he, yeah i think he this is still when he's just gotten he, there so yeah. he still has his own clothes on yeah. anyway we're back inside they apparently they play music relatively loud yes but they're gambling and martini does not know how it keeps splitting yeah. cigarettes in half so he can make because he wants to bet a nickel and it's you don't bet a nickel you bet a dime and that that this scene goes on forever and has no point at all whatsoever. <laughs> it just doesn't. It's it's basically. I'm not saying it's a bad scene. I'm saying that conventionally, storytelling wise, right? Oh, yeah. This isn't really. This is kind well, of informing yeah. us a little bit more about what these what these characters are like. Well, like and, you said before, when we start, I mean, it's not it's not a plot driven movie. No, it's, it's not. It's a character-driven movie, and yeah. So this mm. this scene tells us about specifically a little bit more about Martini's character. He's a little simple-minded because he he's the one who breaks the cigarette because he wants to bet a nickel instead of a dime. And then uh, McMurphy says the uh, the ante is a dime, mm. not you know. And so then he tries to put the two halves in as a dime, yeah. and that's when Murphy says, "No, if you break yeah. it in half, you don't get two nickels. You get shit because you can't smoke mm -hmm. it." So this is the is the limit. Yeah. one whole cigarette but mm. martini doesn't get it and keeps trying to put his two halves back in yeah 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 basically so we learn a little bit about the characters i guess right mm -hmm. we we get to know what they're like but uh, uh mcmurphy goes behind into the nurse's station to turn to add to try to turn down the radio or turn down the music yeah yeah and, and that's his, his first run in with nurse ratchet because she's yeah. you know People, patients aren't allowed. She's very firm, but you know, she doesn't like freak out on him or anything. She's just like very firmly. People aren't, patients aren't allowed in here, Mr. McMurphy. And then he, so he backs out and he's like, sorry. And then he's talking to her through the window. Can you please turn the music down? And she's like, well, the music is that loud because we have old men on the ward who are hard of hearing. And if the music wasn't as loud as it is, they wouldn't be able to hear the music. And McMurphy's like, yeah, but fuck those old people. Fuck them. Yeah, fuck, fuck them. them. Fuck them. And she's me like, generation well, but, argument. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Me, 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 fuck me, me. I said, turn the fucking music down. I think it's too exactly. loud. So to help those people. And, and she says, you know, well, some of them, you know, are like basically vegetables and the music is all they have yeah you is know? she being unreasonable no not at this point no no she's no. not but anyway it's medication time yeah and he pretends to take his fucking medicine yes he does he, and he, he spits doesn't... it in harding's face no he doesn't does, is it harding yeah he does yeah 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 and then harding says she could have seen you do that and that's when he goes like "Ooh." yeah like he doesn't <laughs> give a shit yeah yeah right and they keep making bets. And his bet now is that he's going to be able to unhinge Nurse, nurse Ratchet. Yes. Right? I'm getting vibes of MASH again. Okay. Little, now that you I'm, mention it a little bit. I'm getting some slight vibes because MASH really did not have a plot either. Except in this movie, I'm not like hoping for all the characters to die in a war. Yeah. And also MASH had problems with female authority figures. That's, oh yeah, there there is another parallel there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so... Um, he makes a bet that he's going to be able to get under her skin. And what does he do at the next group session? Um, he wants to watch the World Series because uh -huh. this is the where the World Series starts tonight. And he raises his hand during the meeting and he says, hey, I have a suggestion. I have a proposal that we change the work schedule around mm -hmm. so that everybody is free this evening so we can all gather together in front of the TV and watch the World Series. And Nurse Ratched says, oh, no. 
No, she lets them vote. Well, that well, first says, she okay, says no. Everyone. First she first she says no because the schedule is the schedule and it's the way it is for a reason. And sometimes people mm -hmm. take a long time to adjust to it. But then eventually she does say, knowing knowing what the result will be, you have to include that. Like she's not, she knows that he's going to lose this vote. Um, but she says, yeah, sure, we can take a vote if everybody wants to change and watch the World Series, and that's what mm -hmm. we'll do. Mm -hmm. So he says, all right, everybody take a vote. And it's like mm -hmm. three people. And she's him. a villain because she doesn't immediately comply to an insane person. Well, this, this I'm not, I'm not woman, making that argument. This I'm not making woman that argument. didn't completely fold because a I'm man not making told that, her. I'm not making that argument. I know you're not. I know you're not. Um, I am. But I'm, uh, making, <laughs> I'm making that argument. But so he loses uh, the vote and he's not, yeah. and he's not happy. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And he's not happy, and he's not happy at his other inmates because they didn't support him. Because they, did, they right, didn't, exactly. They didn't vote, and so they're playing Monopoly in the tub room, and uh, he gets pissed off of them and sprays them with a with a hose from the with the water uh, from the from yeah. the yeah from the, it's kind of like a dais. It controls all the spigots in yeah. the in the room, and he says, "I bet you guys, you know, all of you guys, I'm going to break out of here." wants to come with me billy kind of wants to go with him and he's like okay all i'm gonna do is i'm gonna pick up this sink and i'm gonna throw it out the window and yeah, i'm gonna, and I'm get gonna out. walk to town and i'm gonna go to a bar and i'm gonna yeah. watch the world series who wants to come with the me? world series and he tries and it doesn't work and, and he, he doesn't even again. come close and, no, <laughs> he doesn't even moving. move it it doesn't even move and no. so you know he's like and he ah. says well at least i tried yeah at least i did that there's no reason why we're here right no at least i tried to escape into the rest of the world where i might be a danger who knows who knows <laughs> i don't know but at least i tried to escape because that's the point because mental hospitals are prisons they're not but okay <laughs> anyway we have another group session where we get a little bit about billy right just a little yeah bit. so nurse ratchet and billy's mother are apparently very close and nurse ratchet uses that in her talks with billy quite a lot you mm -hmm. know? she mentions how you know oh your mother talked about this and that and you know what mm -hmm. would your mother think about this and yeah 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 and then they decide they're going to have another vote on the world series right yeah Ch Ch well Char uh, cheswick brings it up cheswick brings it up and uh, then everybody is one of the ones that has kind of come over to mcmurphy so he was one of the first ones to be like oh i like this mcmurphy guy so cheswick right. brings it up because tonight's game two and he's like well we should have another vote because tonight's another game yeah and uh they all raise their hands but she's like no 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 it's got to be a vote of the ward not just right. these it's people that are sitting in the circle yeah you need to have a majority because all of them raise their hand and uh then runs around and tries to get somebody that is not part of the group and most of these people are comatose they're not really engaged yeah. in the rest of the world have to no try idea to raise their hand fun. yeah 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 and she says okay well that's all right we're gonna close the you know the meeting's done this vote is closed yeah all right and but after she says that the chief yeah. raises his hand the chief raises his hand and he's like, hey, the chief raised his hand and it means we get to watch it. And she's like, no, we this was tabled. The meeting's over. Done. Yeah. Uh -huh. And he's like, gosh, darn it. Or whatever. Karn's whatever it is. God, God sarn it. <laughs> and he starts complaining to people in the prison. Uh, what happened? It, he meets with. They, is this where he has the meeting with the other doctors? 
Yeah. And they're like, how you doing, McMurphy? And he uh, calls Nurse Ratchet the Mm -hmm. C-word and says, ah, fuck that nurse. That nurse ain't no, that nurse ain't shit. And and Dr. Spivey is like, well, she's one of our most respected staff members. Like, what's your problem with her? Mm -hmm. And he's like, fuck her is all. He says she likes a rigged game. Yeah. What does that mean? She likes a rigged game. What does it mean? Anyway, so then I don't give a shit what it means. I don't care. He's crazy. He's he's an insane. she, She ain't honest. Yeah, whatever. She likes things the way they are, maybe. Yes. Or whatever. I think that's I think that's part of it, yeah. Hmm. Well, and also you have to you have to remember, I mean, he didn't because get what he maybe wanted. the way things are, people don't get fucking hurt. Do you ever think about that, yeah. Steve? That maybe, maybe, just maybe. Hmm? The way she runs things prevents people from getting fucking hurt. What about but what about the freedom of the human spirit? Fuck that. Fuck the human <laughs> Jesus Christ, the human spirit. Go fuck yourself <laughs> with that bullshit. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> anyway, we're back out in the yard, and McCready convinces that he climbs up onto Chief Broom to climb over the barbed wire fence, so he yes. can so he can steal the bus. Yeah, the wheels on the bus go round and round. There's, there's a short yellow bus. Most of our patients, except for McCready, who's a criminal, get to be on the yeah. bus because they get to go That's into right. town. Yes, and McCready steals the bus. And then drives to a fucking trailer park to pick up a prostitute. To pick up a girlfriend of his. We never know that she's a prostitute. She is a fucking prostitute named Candy. She's a friend. She's a friend of his named Candy. They're friends. Uh Yeah. And then what do they do? They, they drive go out. to they, they go to the to the dock. They go fishing. They steal a boat. That's right. But they, they steal a boat and they get away. They, I mean, the harbor master doesn't believe them for a second, but he lets them go and they give him a line of bullshit about, oh, actually, these aren't mental patients. These are They're all doctors. doctors. Yeah. Although I do. I do love the joke. It's one of my favorite jokes in the movie. Everybody's a doctor except for Harding. Except for Harding. Yeah. He's he, it, Mc, McMurphy Harding. is introducing every day. This is Dr. Cheswick. This is Dr. Martini. Mr. Harding. Yeah. <laughs> Doc, you know, like everybody's a doctor except for Harding. I love that. Mm-hmm. And they all go out and they have a great time out on the boat. They catch fish. Jack almost gets laid, but doesn't quite because they catch a fish and he has to come out and help him catch the fish. And also Cheswick is supposed to be driving the boat, but then he sees that like he can't see anybody Mm. because everybody's gone to peek through the window to watch Jack fuck his friend who may or may not be a prostitute. Mm -hmm. And And Billy talks talks to the girl. Billy's kind of sweet on candy, I think. Yeah. Because Billy's a the fuck up. He's a fuck up with women. Is that what yeah, we're supposed to believe? Well, yeah, he's yeah. He he. Apparently, one of the incidents that led to him being institutionalized was he asked. Is a that girl he's a creepy weirdo? <laughs> he, he asked a girl in his town to marry him, and she said no. And it, after you get the, one date, yeah, it's implied that it's like that. You know, it was one of those. It was like a completely one sided attachment. You know, he mm-hmm. was like super into her, and she was not into him at all. But he thought that she was or whatever so yeah and also billy has some pretty serious mommy issues i think it's safe to say you think um uh, yeah mm. considering Possible. his reaction at the end yeah i think i think the dude uh-huh. has some pretty serious mommy issues <laughs> yeah but then the, the police helicopter finds them because they're yeah. escaped lunatics yeah. and <clears throat> they come back into harbor and they've caught some fish isn't that great yeah some biggins 
And then we have the meeting with the doctors where they're like, what should we do? Should we send him to prison? Should we just kill him and bury him in the back? And Dr. <laughs> Spivey says, and, 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 and uh, Dr. Spivey is like, we should just give him back to the penitentiary. And Nurse Ratchet yeah. says, no, I think we should keep him. I think we can help him. I want you to give him to me. I can no. help him. Why, why do you assume that she's not serious about that? I want to. I want to break him. Um, actually, no, I don't think I honestly, one of the things about the nurse ratchet character that I think is great is I honestly don't think she has any malicious intent. I don't either. I don't either, but look at what I don't they've think done. She with, yeah. There's a yeah. fucking TV series on right now called ratchet. I think. Yeah. That yeah. is about her as a young, as a young sadistic nurse. Yeah. And it's like, Okay. I have yeah. So, I haven't I haven't seen the show, but I do think I, I think any read of that character that that presents her as intentionally sadistic is missing the point of the character in this movie. Now you can do a different version and do whatever you want, but if you're trying to do a take on that character that is the same as the character we see in this movie, mm-hmm. I I don't think she is intentionally sadistic. No. Anyway, they have a basketball game, and now Chief Broom is actually playing. Yeah, he's coming out of his shell. Mm-hmm. He he's is. dunking on everybody. Yeah. And uh, then they go and they swim in the pool, and that's when that's when McMurphy finds out. Oh, hey, you don't get out of here until we say you get oh, out. Oh, my my brilliant plan has hit a small yeah. snag. <laughs> if that was indeed his brilliant plan, because uh, quite honestly. I don't think I don't think he's faking. I think he literally does have some sort of undiagnosed disorder at this but point. But do you but do you think he thinks he's faking? I think he thinks he's faking, sure. Yeah. Yeah, cuz cuz I think the idea is and, and again, it's one of those things that it's it's almost funny when you when it happens in the movie like he tells the the orderly he says i've got 68 days mm-hmm. so we're to believe that he faked being crazy to get, to get thrown out of, in to get out to of, get out of detail of, yeah for a, for a couple of months it's mm-hmm. not like he was in there for 10 years like he all he had no. to do was stay in prison for another two or three months and he would have gotten out Mm-hmm. And now he's he's fucked himself into a mental institution where they might never let him out. Right. Like it's like you fucking idiot. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. But yeah, that is that is the and now he's mad at now he's mad at the other patients because nobody warned him. He's like, how comes you guys didn't tell me that they can keep us as long as they want? And the other patients, most of them, don't even Are know what he's talking about. Because they're they're yeah. voluntarily. Because, yeah, because they haven't been committed. <clears throat> they're there voluntarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he doesn't realize that either. He doesn't realize yeah. that until, you know, the, the, the tip-off should have been there, <laughs> them allowing them to leave every That's day true, yeah. to go into That's town true, or yeah. whatever. Because I think um, they say of, of the people, of the characters that we actually get to know in the movie, I think mm-hmm. they say during that, I think only McMurphy and Chief are actually committed. Mm-hmm. Like the rest of the people in the therapy group say they're there voluntarily. Yeah. 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 So anyway, so they have group again after this whole thing, and I can't remember what happens in that group session. Is that when he finds out that they're all there voluntarily? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Christopher Lloyd's guy is there is committed too, but I mean that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's all that happens. Is that what happens? Doesn't he have? Remember. No, he has. He has another. He has another like standoff with Nurse Ratchet about something. I can't remember. Oh, who knows. But there's like I know there, there's like a tense sort of exchange between I can't remember what it's about, 
Um, oh no, no, this is, or is this the, is this the cigarettes thing? Yeah. So what eventually happens is yeah. what's his name goes bonkers. He wants his cigarettes. He wants, which cigarettes. have been, which have been taken because of McMurphy. Because, because McMurphy has fucked up everything for everybody. All yeah, because have, they, have been they use cigarettes. Now. They yeah, they use cigarettes as currency in their poker games, and so mm-hmm. because you know to just to keep peace in the ward, the nurses took it upon themselves to just okay, we're taking everybody's cigarettes and we're going to keep them in the office, and you get a ration of cigarettes per day so mm-hmm. that there's no more of this. You know, using them for gambling. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Cheswick, and, but, but Cheswick wants his cigarettes now. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't get one. And so that causes him to get dragged off, right? Doesn't he? Well, it, start, they, causes... it, it starts a riot. They, they, they Cheswick starts to lose it. The other inmates start carrying on. Uh, McMurphy punches through the glass That's right. into the nurse's station to get a box of cigarettes to give to Cheswick to calm him down. So then McMurphy mm. gets taken down. Uh, when, the, when the orderlies are on McMurphy, Chief sees them fucking up his friend and steps in. So now, <laughs> so, so, so it's Cheswick, McMurphy, and Chief all get taken away because yeah. they were the ones that were laying And we cut to those three sitting in a hallway. Yeah. And what we don't know is that they're all sitting there. And what they don't know, apparently, is they're sitting there waiting to have electroshock therapy. Yes. Okay. Which is something we don't do anymore. Haven't done. And weren't do. I don't think we were doing it in 1975. I don't think so. Or, or, or if they, it, it was not, because it used to be a fairly standard thing. Oh yeah. Um, by the seventies, I think it was no longer that if it was done yeah. at all. No, well, um, two yeah. things that they that happened in this movie that they didn't do in the nineteen seventies. Yeah, and the, yeah, you, you mentioned to you the lobotomy. Yeah. They didn't do that anymore either. Yeah. Anyway, they take Cheswick off, and he's screaming the entire way. Oh, he's terrified. And, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, they don't particularly. It doesn't seem like McMurphy particularly cares. In fact, he has gum somehow. And he gives his the officer a stick of gum to Chief Broom, and he says, "What? Thank you, thank, thank you." And McMurphy thinks what? that's great. He thinks it's great that he's pretend been pretending to be deaf and dumb this whole time. Yeah, he thinks it's fantastic. He's hooping and hollering or whatever. We you get to know them all, Chief. Yeah, we get to know him a little bit better mm-hmm. before it's time for. McMurphy, who doesn't know what's going to happen next either, I don't think. Yeah, no, I don't. No, I think it's pretty clear he doesn't know what's going to happen. Yeah, he's like he's got to spread out his gum. Nineteen people have to hold him down. He, he's like, here, you need to bite on this. Oh, what's this you're putting on on my temples? And what did oh, she say? It's, con- it's conductant. It's conductant. There's a clue. There's a clue. I wonder what they're going to do. And then they give him electroshock therapy, and it's awful. Just like it's, real yeah. electroshock oh, yeah. therapy was. It's awful. Yeah. Everyone's back in the back in the room. McMurphy comes in pretending to be a vegetable. Ha ha foreshadowing. Ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> oh, young man, your hubris. Mm-hmm. Your hubris will come back to haunt you. Yeah. But it turns out he's perfectly fine. He's faking. Right. He's yeah. faking it. Ha ha ha. I'm back, motherfuckers. It's RP McMurphy. It's party time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now it's nighttime, right? Yes. And I can't remember how he does that. He sneaks, he breaks into the nurse's well, yeah, he, station. He waits for Nurse Ratched to leave for the night, and then he mm-hmm. slips into the nurse's station mm-hmm. while Scatman Crothers is 
down the hallway because Scatman yep. Brothers is like the night watchman. And mm. he gets on the phone and he calls his girlfriend and says, hey, get one of the girls and get a car and get some booze and come to the to the loony bin because it's on tonight. And I guess Candy says, sure, sounds like sure, fun. Sure, sounds like fun. Looney bin, I'm all in. <laughs> and he sneaks out of the office before Scatman Crullers comes back. And uh, and then that night, uh, there's a visitor at the window. Mm-hmm. And Scatman Crullers sees Mc... Well, Scatman Crowther sees McMurphy out the window looking at something, and he gets up and he's like, get back to bed. Mm-hmm. And McMurphy calls him over and he says, look, your prayers have been answered. And it's Candy and Rose, one of Candy's yeah. friends. Mm-hmm. And he offers Scatman Crowther's $20. And Scatman Crowther says, nah, I don't think that's going to do it. And he says, mm-hmm. well, they're, they're all, they also brought booze. You're going to have, you have some booze. Scatman Crowther says, nah, I don't think that's quite yeah, it, man. I can't get booze anywhere. So Jack says, one of them will fuck you. And he says, yeah. deal. Mm-hmm. And lets them in, and he's you know he's super excited about that. In the meantime, everyone on the ward is getting drunk. Oh yes, including the comatose patients that have been strapped to a bed. <laughs> that they're 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 pouring it into like the their, you know the mm-hmm. like drip things that they use to give the medicine. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this is where we're all supposed to think, oh, they're truly alive. They're truly alive because Jack Nicholson, our hero, has brought this to them. <laughs> You know what? It's the triumph of the human spirit. Shut up about that. The I don't believe in it. The human spirit is a bird that must fly free. It, the human spirit is a bird that must be crushed under my heel. <laughs> human spirit, my so Scatman Crothers, Scatman Crothers has sex with one of the girls in the bathroom, and then he comes out and he sees that all the patients are awake and drunk and, and making a mess of things, and he's like, oh, shit. I'm super fired for this. Yeah. His, uh, his supervisor comes in and he hides all the mental patients in the office, but one of the girls opens the door. And so he's caught and he's like, oh, fuck, I'm definitely fired now. Get out of here. Just leave me alone. And he mm-hmm. just consoles himself with a liquor bottle and ends up passing out. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jack takes his keys. And apparently the plan is that Jack and the girls, and he tries to talk the chief into it, but the chief uh, doesn't want to leave. The chief no. is too, the chief is scared of the outside yeah yeah he says because he's he says uh jack says you know why would you be scared you're you know you're as big as a you're as big as a mountain and chief says but you know i don't feel big and Mm -hmm. uh he talks about how his dad was an alcoholic and he watched his father get Mm -hmm. drunk become a drunk and waste away and the world the world ground down his dad the way the hospital is grinding them down and um so chief doesn't want to go so mm-hmm. but apparently jack is like well i'm going you know like well kind of he gets he gets billy laid right well, he, he well, remember he's about to leave yeah they're like this close to climbing out the window and then he notices mm-hmm. that billy is upset and he goes and talks to billy and that is what leads to him getting rose to fuck billy mm-hmm. so he says well i'll just wait around until that's over that shouldn't take too long and then he falls asleep mm-hmm and by the time he wakes up, it's morning and all the nurses are there and oh yep. fuck, I guess there's I guess I'm not leaving now. The nurses at the orderlies are there and they're like, Everyone get up, everybody's in trouble. What the hell is going on? Right? <laughs> Y'all are in so much shit for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they but nobody and can find Billy. Billy's the no, only one who's not present yeah. and accounted for. Oh no, maybe he escaped. Nope. No. Well, not no. really. Where do they find him? He's in one of the rooms i guess with the you know one of the private rooms where they have the bed with the straps and he's he's in there with uh with rose or not with rose with candy naked Um, with a lady he he got him some he busted Mm -hmm. his cherry yeah 
Did he? Yeah. I guess. I, I don't know. I, it, it's implied that he did. Um, mm-hmm. And, and Nurse Ratched. Well, Nurse Ratched. So he he's really upset and he runs up to Nurse Ratched, pulls his pants on, and he's like, "I'm." He's you not know. that upset. He's actually he, he's not upset until she makes him upset. Well, he's upset. He's not upset in the sense of like crying and screaming, but he obviously no. knows he's in trouble. And but he's then, still like, smiling you know, the, the rest, and stuff. The, re- well, the rest of the, yeah. the the rest of the guys like applaud and are cheering him on and mm-hmm. are you know proud of him for getting laid for the first time. And mm-hmm. and then Nurse Ratched says. What do you think your mother would say? What's your mm-hmm. mother going to say? What's your mother going to say when I tell her about this? And he says, and you don't have to tell her. Billy says, you don't have to tell her. And then Billy gets so scared that he rats out McMurphy. He says it was McMurphy and the others. They dragged me in. You know, they made me do it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like she's still like, well, I got to tell your mother about it, Billy. I can't not tell your mother. And that and that's when he just completely loses it. Because the idea of his mother finding out about this is just fucking mortifying to him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so nurse ratchet says take him into the doctor's office and she tells the orderly she says stay with him until the doctor gets there or until i can be there right mm-hmm. um so the orderly drags billy screaming crying into the office yep. and while that happens jack is like all right fuck it i'm getting out of here he Time still has go. the keys mm-hmm. they had relocked the window when the orderlies got there, but now Jack has the keys from Scatman Crother. So he, he opens it back up again and is about to leave. And the orderly that's in the office with Billy sees him about to escape and runs out to stop him. And mm-hmm. there's a fight between Jack and the orderly. Mm-hmm. And while they're scrapping and everything's, everybody's distracted by that. The other nurse, nurse Ratchet's mm-hmm. assistant uh, has gone into the office where Billy was and she sees something and she screams and everybody mm-hmm. comes running in and what has happened is why in those few because we, we knew ahead of time we established previously that billy was suicidal that was one mm-hmm. part of the reason that he was there um and while billy was by himself for those few seconds when everybody ran out to stop mcmurphy from getting out and then break up mm-hmm. the fight yeah uh, he has he's broken a glass and he's cut his throat yeah. he's committed suicide he's mm-hmm. dead yeah um and Nurse Ratched and the, the, the doctor comes in and everything and everybody's trying to figure out what to do. And Nurse Ratched turns to everybody and says, well, I think the best thing that we can do now is to just go on with our daily routine. Mm-hmm. And that's more than McMurphy can take. And I he guess. fucking jumps on her and well, is, he blames and is, and her is, is, for is Billy having committed suicide. Yeah. But yeah. then he pins her to the ground and is actively he's, he's going to kill her to kill yeah. her. Yeah, he's going to kill her. He's choking her to death. And then they, mm-hmm. they, they finally they they drag him off of her and she's choking and coughing. And um, and that's the last we see of McMurphy for a little bit. For a little bit. We um, come back to the come back to the insane asylum. People are playing cards again. Things have returned to normal, although you notice mm-hmm. they're not playing pinochle anymore. They're playing poker like they did with McMurphy. Yeah. Like, so he mm-hmm. sort of changed things a little bit. Um, Nurse Ratchet has a neck brace on. Yep. You know, yep. yeah. in the so book, it's not, she couldn't yeah. talk anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, someone came back from the dentist's office. He's spreading a rumor that Rick Murphy got out, that he right. escaped, that they were taking him somewhere and he got away. Yeah. And uh, that night, uh, the chief is awake and they bring you know mcmurphy in and they lay him down in a bed and uh you know chief gets up and tries to talk to him and what have they done 
They done Planet of the Apes him. They yes, cut they, out his brain. They cut his brain out. <laughs> they lobotomized him, and they not one of those through the eyeball or through the nose deals. They no, cut on that motherfucker. They Great you, big he old has, scar. He, yeah. yeah, they 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 chopped him out. Yeah, so he's like he's gone. He's 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 gone. And, Murphy's uh, dead at this point. Yeah. He's not and, really. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's sad because the chief was ready to leave. Like chief, the reason chief goes up to talk to him is mm-hmm. he says, you know, hey, they said that you escaped, but I knew you wouldn't leave without me. And now we can go. I'm ready to go. Like he says, I feel as big as a house mm-hmm. uh, or I feel as big as a mountain. And of course, yeah. McMurphy is lobotomized. He's lobotomized. Yeah. yeah. So chief says, I'm not leaving you here. I wouldn't mm-hmm. leave you like this. You're mm-hmm. coming with me. Right. And then chief kills McMurphy. Mm-hmm. Suffocates him with a pillow. With a Pella. Yeah. Yep. And and then Chief goes into the, the tub room mm-hmm. and Chief, gigantic motherfucker that he is, rips that sink out of the goddamn floor. Yep. Puts it up on his shoulder, carries it into the room, gets a mm-hmm. running start, heaves it through the fucking window, it smashes wide open. Yep. And he jumps out the window and runs away. Right. Yeah. The last shot is is of him running away. Running and disappearing into the hills, mm-hmm. yeah. What we yep. miss is the the prolonged car chase and them shooting it down in the street <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because he has nowhere to go and nothing to do. It's it's oh the human spirit. Look at him run directly well, into chaos and death because that's why Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's why you end the movie there. Oh, that's why. Because that's you why you end the movie there. You don't want people screaming over a police loudspeaker with guns drawn if they bother to do that at all. All right, Chief, we'll call it once you down on the ground so that you can go back. That's to true. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure once the cops heard giant Indian escape from the <laughs> mental hospital, they probably were like, "All right, we're just gonna take him out." We're not mm-hmm. taking any chances. He's how fucking tall? Okay. Yeah, we don't know. He he did what? He he ripped something he, he out what? of the floor and <laughs> <laughs> he broke out how? Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Steve, considering that I think we both have different takes on this, yes. how do you feel? About one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I love this movie. Hmm. This is one of my favorite films. I I had not watched it in many years before we before I watched it for this. Yeah, it's um, been a while for me too. Yeah, but I've seen it. I don't even know how many times. And uh, it's for me, it still holds up. When when I was a teenager and I was first exploring my love of film, Milos Forman was one of the two directors I admired the most, and the other mm-hmm. one was Stanley Kubrick. Sure. Um, we, we mentioned already Foreman directed Amadeus, which was the first great film that I ever saw and really connected with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this was the second Milos Forman film that I ever saw, Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. And I just, I loved it from the moment I first saw it. Um, mm-hmm. Foreman is a genius as a director. And what I love the most about him is that he never leaves his fingerprints. Um, mm-hmm. as, as the storyteller, he is invisible. He's not mm-hmm. trying to impress you with his style. He's not showing off as the director. He's telling you the story. Mm-hmm. And he does it in a way that is artful, that is impeccably crafted technically. Sure. Uh, but he doesn't want you to notice his craft. His craft is about getting you to appreciate and get involved in the story. Mm-hmm. He's a great actor's director. And here he has assembled one of the all-time casts in the history of cinema. I mean, 
watching the movie now you said it was like character actor of the movie i mean that's yeah, absolutely true that's it's, exactly it's, what it is yeah. you you i mean nowadays if you know anything about movies if you watch movies at all for the last 25 30 40 years like you recognize all these people but in 1975 they were all other than nicholson they were all unknowns mm -hmm. um danny devito christopher lloyd vincent schiavelli brad dowriff louise fletcher they would all go on to have careers after this but here this was before any of that and and seeing them all together so early in their careers in this one movie it's like finding out that willie mays and mickey mantle and sandy koufax and bob gibson all played baseball in high school together you know what i mean it's like seriously that was a hell of a high school team you know um it's a fantastic cast and every performance is extraordinary i never see anyone acting um mm -hmm. William Redfield, who plays Harding, is so goddamn good that I can't believe he wasn't nominated for an Oscar. But then I remember that Brad Dorif was nominated for an Oscar for his performance. And I figure, well, I guess they couldn't nominate everybody that year. Right. You know? mm -hmm. um, and of course, Nicholson was nominated for lead actor and, and won, but and as Louise and Louise Fletcher won for best actress. Um, Nicholson and Milos Forman didn't get along. They had pretty serious creative differences, but you don't see it on the screen. Nope. Uh, Nicholson gives one of the defining performances of his career mm -hmm. and Foreman gives him a showcase for it. You know, it's Nicholson's movie. I've seen reviews and essays about Cuckoo's Nest that that say that Nicholson winning the Oscar for this was his consolation prize for losing it for Chinatown the year before. Mm. Um, he had actually been not the year he won for Cuckoo's Nest. He had actually been nominated for Best Actor three years in a row. Mm. and for four out of the last six years so you could call it a consolation prize in that sense because it was after being nominated all those times this was the time he finally won but i think mm -hmm. that undersells his performance here i think this is a magnificent performance oh it's great um, performance yeah yeah Fu funny and angry and dangerous and frustrating and tragic um and the most incredible thing of all and I, I, I assume we will disagree on this, but to me, the most amazing thing about Nicholson's performance is it's not even the best performance in the movie because no. I think Louis, because I think Louise Fletcher gives a better performance mm. than Jack Nicholson does. as much. And I love Jack Nicholson in this movie. Um, I think Louise Fletcher as nurse ratchet is his equal every step of the way and occasionally outdoes him. Mm -hmm. Um, she's so incredible as this cold, tightly wound, merciless yet somehow not one-dimensional authority figure mm. because because she's not heartless she's not a robot she's not evil she's cruel but she doesn't mean to be she doesn't see herself that way she's not intending to be cruel she believes completely in this system and from her perspective the system is the way it is for a reason and you mentioned one of the probable reasons earlier that things are this way so that these people don't hurt themselves or hurt mm -hmm. each other and she believes or hurt that the staff or hurt her or the staff right or get worse she yeah. so she is a defender of this system and a believer in this system and of her place in it which is not at the top of it but at least at the top of her part of it mm -hmm. and as an actress she communicates more with a clipped line delivery or just an icy look than most actors are capable of if you give them an entire page of uninterrupted dialogue she is so amazing 
creating this character that, as with most of these characters in the movie, that we know nothing about in terms of her life, her history, her backstory, what she does mm-hmm. outside of the hospital. We know nothing about her biographically. All we know about her is what we see in the moment in this movie. And mm-hmm. I feel like I know I feel like I know exactly who she is. Um, because, and, and that's her performance. That's not just in the script. That's her, that's Louise Fletcher bringing this person to life. The setting of the film is very effective. It was shot on location, as we mentioned at the Oregon state hospital. Um, it was photographed in a matter of fact style that enhances that sense of authenticity. We spend almost all of our time in the ward where McMurphy and the other patients live. We catch only very short glimpses of the other sections of the hospital. In fact, the only time we see another section of the hospital, of the interior of the hospital, other than like Dr. Spivey's office, is when they're waiting to get electroshock therapy and they're waiting in that hallway. So we see just enough of the other parts of the hospital just to know that they're there, to know mm-hmm. that there's more to this place than just the part of it that we see, mm-hmm. which makes it feel somehow limited and infinite like the hospital is a universe unto itself. And there's a gravity to this place that is inescapable. Mm -hmm. They go out to go fishing, they escape, they get pulled back in. Mm -hmm. McMurphy comes agonizingly close to getting out. He's about to step out the window when he notices that Billy is troubled and he goes over. So he's almost out and then he doesn't get out. Only the chief at the very end manages to escape mm-hmm. and depending on how you interpret the movie if if like like you suggested at the end if you project what would be likely to happen in real life after that the chief might not escape for very long either no but but i but can in terms guarantee of, you he doesn't but, but in okay. terms of what we in terms of what we see in the movie only the chief makes it out and doesn't get pulled back in before the end of the movie mm-hmm. um let's face facts care. let's yeah. just take a look at this he murdered another patient smashed open oh, a window oh, yeah oh he's and, in a lot of trouble oh yeah. he's more, more than a lot of trouble he's in a lot of he's trouble like they're gonna do the shotgun cure with good old chief <laughs> yeah he ain't gonna get electroshock next time yeah um it's um it's a character driven piece it lives sure. and dies by its performances and its dialogue its origins on the stage are obvious and I don't mean that as an insult. I mean that as a compliment. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels modern and unstructured in terms of, you know, it doesn't really have a plot. And yet there's something undeniably classical about it. Um, there's an element of Greek tragedy to it. This is about a man who fakes being mentally ill in order to escape from prison. But that act of fakery lands him in a place where he is robbed of his freedom in a much deeper way. He runs away from something bad only to run directly into something far worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could chalk that up to him just being a dipshit, which I think is mm-hmm. a completely valid interpretation of his character. Mm-hmm. You can chalk it up to his hubris, to him thinking he was smarter than he actually is. He thinks he's got everything figured out and he can outsmart mm-hmm. the orderlies and outsmart the nurse. And it turns out, nope, you can't do that. Um I think it's one of the great works of humanism in modern cinema. I think it's it's one of the great portraits of institutional cruelty and in the nature of it, that the people in this hospital, the, the, the staff and the doctors and the nurses do not mean any harm to these people. They're trying to help these people. Um, we see how unforgiving the system is, un- how unforgiving the system of mental health care is, at least at the, during the era depicted in this movie. As you pointed out, a lot of this was no longer the case by the time the movie came out, mm-hmm. but in the era that the movie takes place in. 
we see how this system, how swiftly and irrevocably it can ruin people um, who can't or won't conform to the expectations placed upon them. It argues that, especially I think in the case of Billy and what happens to him at the end, it argues that there ought to be a distinction between the breaking of a rule and the doing of a moral wrong. And I think it invites us to ask whether or not there is a better way of dealing with seriously mentally ill people than locking them away where the rest of us don't have to see them or think about them or the alternate, which is what we do now, which is either put them in prison or just leave them to their own devices and mm -hmm. let them live on the street and whatever happens to them happens. Um, so, yeah, I love this movie. I think it's a beautiful I happen funny. to know which one is more yeah. cruel, but you know, <laughs> I think it's a beautiful, funny, crushing, yet weirdly, stubbornly optimistic film. And I think it's great. So great. that's my piece. Your turn. Hooray. It's optimistic because the boomers wanted it to be optimistic because this is about <laughs> the human spirit. It's, and I'm it only. It must fly free. It must fly free. Why be the. If you want to break it down to its allegory, the allegory is authority figure, person that says you're stupid, authority figure. <laughs> the two Jungian archetypes. Right. <laughs> um, and I'm not kidding because I do like the performances in this and I do actually like the play and I do like the movie. However, I think... The movie has problems with me simply because everyone wants to talk about this. people with mental disorders who have been institutionalized are there for a reason. And I'm not saying that it's particularly great, right? It's not a mental institution can't, by its very definition, be a happy place with, with, with puppies and flowers, because we're talking about some people who are very, very sick. Mm -hmm. Right. And there was a, a period of time where we took all those very, very sick people and we put them in a place where they didn't necessarily get better. But the whole thing was for them to just not be acting out the way they were in public. Right. How different would this movie have been if it turned out that Billy's thing was that he killed women. Oh, right? it would have been completely different. Oh, yeah, it would have been completely would have been, different. It would have been completely different, yeah. But it's not. Instead, Billy's the victim because Billy is the victim of, as far as I'm concerned, McMurphy. McMurphy came we, in. McMurphy is responsible and, for, in, in a sense, is responsible for Billy's death in, in the same way that, that, that Nurse Ratchet is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, here's the here's the thing. You could say that Nurse Ratchet is, is more because maybe she knew that he might get suicidal maybe not who knows but the whole the whole movie and it's a i think and it's an original attempt uh um intent was Ooh, McMurphy uh, bucked against the system and they killed him right they bucked against yes the system a lot of people him. a lot of people read the movie that way yeah and to me you know there are a lot of people that came in and out of the the institutional system but in the 1970s they were defunding you know psycho you know psychiatric you know especially state run psychiatric yes. in, um, institutions and this movie didn't help the public's attitude towards them it really oh, no, I didn't think it, it definitely hastened that process yeah and now did. we have what we have now fuck them yeah fuck them that's what we have Fuck them. Unless your family can afford to keep someone in an, you know, in an institution, fuck them. Let them, you know, let them self-medicate to try to take care of themselves and then wind up out in the yeah. streets. It's better for them to be eating out of a fucking dumpster and panhandling 
if they're even panhandling, completely off of drugs. I know. Let's get them into a cycle where eventually we have to do. We have. They have to be taken in. They're forced to take their medication, and then they stop doing it, and they're back out on the streets again. Right? We went from institutionalization, which wasn't great. I'm not trying to paint a, a happy picture on, you know, institutionalize something somebody, but at least they were receiving therapy and they had three square meals a day and they were warm and they weren't dying under a fucking overpass in this country. Yeah. So when I put one flew over the cuckoo's nest in context, it's message across, just like Steve said, it's it can be considered inspirational and all this other stuff. McMurphy is bucking against the system. What system? One that's almost 20 years old that's not even in place right now, but against the system because, you know, you have to be reminded what year it is, right? You have to be reminded that it's in the movie that it's 1963. Yeah, you hear that when the, when the, the orderlies are listening to the World Series. That's when you get, that's when mm-hmm. they pin down what year it is, yeah. And then when they get out, the old-timey cars and all that other stuff, yeah. right? But I think anyone watching it can make the mistake, oh, my God, that's so terrible. Good for him for never being beaten down under the... And it's kind of like, boy, this really does seem to appeal to a baby boomer ideal. Ideal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The rebel who the bucked rebel, the system and tragically was pulled down. How, yeah. How dare Nurse Ratched tell them what to do? How dare she try to get... I think, ultimately, Nurse Ratched, if in real life, was trying to help them as best she could. And one of the ways they know that how not to help people is what what McMurphy eventually does, which is bring in a whole bunch of booze, got everybody drunk, they thrashed the entire place, right? They thrashed the entire place. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was, oh, it was wrecked. Yeah, it was wrecked. You know, giving, giving a prostitute the ability to have sex with all this stuff. And then the authority figure comes in and, you know, makes Billy feel guilty. And ultimately, his suicide isn't his fault. It's the, the, the authority figure's fault. And believe me, guys, I'm not the big rah-rah for authority figures. But when I watched this movie, it was kind of like, guys, maybe not everywhere you need to have a free human independent spirit because these people are sick. And we have to uh, we have to recognize that these people are sick, and freedom for them may mean playing with their own shit in the corner of a room. We don't know, right? We know that there's some odd things about them, but the majority of them are not there because they've been because they committed crimes or they're a danger to the public. They're there because they're getting self help, right? Yeah, yeah. A lot of them can just leave if they really wanted to, and so. When I take it into consideration of what was going on in the country as far as mental health is concerned, and a lot of other things, is it a compelling drama? Yes. Is it a compelling drama about health, uh, mental health care in 1962? Yes. Does it apply in 1975? No. Does it apply now? Absolutely not. Yeah. What is mental health care in this country? There isn't any. It doesn't exist on yeah. an organized level. Yeah. Exactly. It's if you can afford it, great. If you yeah. can afford to put your brother in a facility that can treat them, awesome. But we're we now live in a country where, well, I'm sorry, but <laughs> if you don't have money to care for them, they're winding up on the street. Yeah. I, and so, did I like it? I like the performances. I like I like it. If you can view it in the context of this is taking place in 1963, then everything that happens in it makes makes sense. But as far as it being an inspiring story about the human spirit, fuck that noise. I don't believe <laughs> that shit. 
Neither do I. This I mean, is a depressing movie. It is. And, it, and I know how the real world works. And Chief Broom is dead. He's just dead. Come on. It's not like a white guy escaped from the mental. And then he'd be alive. But no, it's, he, it's well, a person he'd be the of president, color. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he'd well, be the president. Yeah. I mean, or at least or, or a former president. I mean. Right. Um, yeah. I Look, I think I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I think there is a very popular and very glib reading of this movie mm -hmm. that is you know mcmurphy was the rebel mcmurphy was the maverick and he bucked the system and the system ground him down yeah you know and it's mm -hmm. and it's a reading that invites you to take sides and mm -hmm. i don't think that's the best way to read the movie when no. i watch the movie i don't i don't watch the movie to take sides you know for mcmurphy and against nurse ratchet or 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 you know the opposite for that matter um mm -hmm. i think if you watch the movie and you pay attention you see a lot of evidence that at least some of mcmurphy's problems are of his own making mm -hmm. and that there are things he does in the hospital while he's there i honestly that believe that he was no. a psychoanalyst that he was psychoanalyzed at at the, at, the at hospital the prison. Yeah. and he legitimately needs to be institutionalized i think that I, th I think that may be the case but i think there are th there are you can argue that there are things that he does while he is at the hospital that make things worse for him and that make things worse for the other patients that are his fault that aren't just the fault of nurse ratchet or the system or the rules mm -hmm. or whatever that are his his own doing so i don't think the movie is necessarily the the to me, the movie isn't as simplistic as Murph, McMurphy is right. You should be on his side. He's being held down. You know, the human spirit must be free. I don't think it's mm -hmm. that black and white. I don't think it's that simplistic. If it was, I don't think people would still be talking about this movie or remembering this movie mm -hmm. 50 years later. Mm -hmm. You know, if it was that trite, I don't think it would be thought of as a classic. I don't think it ever would have been thought of as a classic. It's sure. deeper than that. It's more complicated mm -hmm. than that. It's. You know, like I said, I don't think Nurse Ratched sees herself as a bad person. And I don't think what Nurse Ratched does is intended to hurt these people. Mm -hmm. But and I in will some also cases, it this. doesn't. Yeah. Most good movie villains That's true. don't view themselves as being bad people. That's true. Right. And I don't think it's fair to, I mean, you, you know, like you said, there's the easy breakdown of it. Mm -hmm. I One think. One second. You, I got to talk yeah. to my wife. So we're going to oh, okay, cut okay. this out. Okay. <laughs> Oh my god. Anyway. Anyway, after that, I I am gonna cut all of that out. I, I kind of thought maybe. Maybe I'll leave it in for the for the for patrons. The, for the patrons. Anyway, we I no, I still say it's a good movie. I still do. Yeah. I got problems with it. That's it. I got problems with it. But I still think it's a good movie. And you think yeah. it's some glowing example of I, I think I think it's great. I think it's yeah. great. Um you think it's great. Yeah. I think it's great. Then I, think I it's love great. it. Whatever, dude. Okay, I now's the time it. for us to not recommend something, Steve. <laughs> now is the time on Sprockets when we dance. Now is the time on Sprockets when Steve <laughs> does not recommend something. I am not recommending a movie. Oh, boy. It gives me great pleasure to not recommend a movie starring a guy who had a really, really hot career going there for a while, and then he fucked it up by secretly being a horrible monster person who is currently on trial and in the united kingdom of course i'm talking about kevin spacey oh is he on trial in the united kingdom on for trial, something uh, for for one of the many accused sexual assaults that he allegedly did yes um 
Yeah, I know. But so, and I'm trying to, I was trying to think of movies that are kind of like set in like an institutional setting, you know, mm -hmm. and Kevin Spacey did this movie in 2001 called mm. K-Pax. Mm, dear fucking Christ. Where he plays a crazy guy, except maybe he's not crazy. Maybe he is an alien from outer space. He says he's an alien. He says he's an alien and, mm -hmm. and maybe that's true. So, um, K-Pax is, is it, not a good, yeah, go ahead. Is it, is it? Is it true he's an alien in That's, the movie? You know what? You know, all that really matters is that Jeff Bridges rediscovers his love for his family. Mm, dear fucking Christ. All right. Um, so as I have been doing lately, I, I found some some quotes from reviews of K-Pax, courtesy of Rotten Tomatoes, that I would like uh -huh. to share with our with our audience to sort of Mary. give them an idea of, of why I'm not recommending K-Pax. Go for it. This is from Sean Burns of Philadelphia Weekly. As always, it takes an outsider, normally a dying woman or magical African-American. So I guess this, in this case, it's a little bit of an upgrade Yikes. to convince the workaholic white guy he should spend more time with his family. This one is from <laughs> Chuck Rudolph from Matinee Magazine. More life-affirming blank stare weirdness from Kevin Spacey. Here's one from Michael... Here's one from Michael DeQuina of TheMovieReport.com. Can't you just smell the pretension? Probably not, given the other ways in which this film stinks. Mm -hmm. This one is from Dustin Putman of TheFilmFile.com. A confused concoction that lacks magic, poignancy, or urgency. It does, however, achieve boredom on more than a couple of occasions. Mm. And finally, finally, this sad review from Joe Baltaki of the Sacramento Bee, if only he had known what we know today. Mm -hmm. The unlikely has happened. Kevin Spacey has worn out his welcome. What next? <laughs> well, we know what's next. We know what's next, Joe. Mm -hmm. I bet you don't like it either. So anyway, I am not recommending K-Pax. Do not watch mm. K-Pax. And now, because you've started to do this whole quoting people, I have to do <laughs> now, the opposite. You've, you've been dragged into it, too. I've been dragged into it because now I have to do the own. You, you give oh, the bad the, reviews the, from the, critics. The people who liked it. The people yeah. who liked it, yes. Because while it got a 42% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, it got yes, a it 74% positive reviews. That's right. From regular stupid people. From schmucks who don't know mm. nothing about nothing. Here we go. No, Five-star review for Capex. We wow. live in an era when alleged critics can give John Wick 94% while giving Capex 42%. I wonder all why of, that is. All of the science in Capex, like when... when Oh my God, Prot! Is that his name? Yeah, in the movie? Prot. That's Prot. what he's. Yeah, Prot. Yeah, Prot. That's Kevin Spacey's. Correct. Doctor Powell's misunderstanding of Einstein, the planetarium scene, etc., is spot on. It's a life-affirming film where Doctor Power Powell connects with his estranged son, and Prot is the star of the backyard barbecue good christ are you really trying how long does this go on how how is it, is it like you? a fucking essay yeah no thank goodness it's not um because he is gentle and funny don't listen to the stupid critics they're dead wrong on this one cave right. everyone should stand look i'm the first one to admit that i think the john wick movies kind of wear out their welcome after the second one but the first one 
if you think the first John Wick isn't way better than K-Pax, then maybe you need to be in the fucking mental hospital from Cuckoo's Nest. That's I mean, right. like, that's fucking crazy. The first John Wick? Are you mm -hmm. kidding me? You Here think K-Pax is better than that? And here's one five-star review. I love this movie. Great actors and storyline that keeps me wondering... Even when the movie is over, <laughs> keep just me keeps me wondering. Why did, why I, did watch I watch a, that? Was why that did a I, movie? <laughs> why did I finish that? Why didn't I turn it off and do something else? Here's another five star review. Firstly, I have to admit, I've watched this movie around thirty times. Yes, oh it really is that good. Great script, great acting and humor. I willingly admit it is a it is a film that keeps you guessing. But the clues are there. If after watching anyone thinks Prot is not an alien, you have missed the clues and need to watch again. Oh boy, you must be a joy to know in oh real life, God. Andy H. If you've seen. <sighs> Bunking K-Pax 30 times like, and you have a yeah. fussy opinion about it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, it's one thing to have that kind of like mm -hmm. completely unhinged take on like The Shining, which is at least a culturally significant movie. If you're like doing a The Shining conspiracy theory about K-Pax, mm -hmm. I think maybe you need to reevaluate some of your priorities there. Mm hmm. Yeah, but I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, come on, people. Anyway, you keep doing that. I'm going to keep doing that. I Mine's okay. simple. I yes. don't have to read anything from anybody. The movie that I'm not going to recommend <laughs> from the same year that this movie came out, 1975, is called The Specialist. Yes. It was a piece of shit movie. If there's such a thing as white exploitation, this is a white exploitation movie that oh stars Adam West, and it's about... <sighs> A lawyer who is bad and gets replaced by Adam West. And so someone hires this woman who they call the specialist, who I guess her job is to act like a whore and show her titties. And, and I don't, it, I saw it once and I can't remember where I saw it, but boy, it did well, leave it is, an impression it, that it's a piece of shit. If you guys want to know how much of a piece of shit it is, you can find the trailer. Just type in the specialist, 1975. It even has nudity in the trailer because that's who they were trying to get to come into the theater to watch it. Yeah. So it sucks. It's stupid. I hate it. Anyway, Steve. <laughs> yes, my friend. Now it's time for you to make a terrible choice. I've I've chosen the three <sighs> films that all have something in common. That common thing, assassins. Ooh, Ooh assassins. Nice. That's right, assassins. Yeah. So you all have right. to choose between A, B, or A, B, and C. It's a blind choice, and you gotta pick one. So do it. I choose B. God damn it. I'm sorry. You know this is not my fault. You know this is not my fault, and you give me these reactions that make me feel like it is my fault, like I, I have done you I, some injury, and it's no, not here's my a, fault. Here's the thing. The movie you picked is Leon the Professional. Oh, fuck. Yeah, it's a good movie. Well, I like it. I love it. that movie. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a really long time. I haven't <laughs> seen it <laughs> I remember since... it being good. <laughs> I don't think I've seen it since she was actually 12 years old. Which right. would have made yes. me in my early 20s. She, I mean, I only yeah. have 10 years on her. But she's now in her fucking 40s. Yeah. Yes, that's true. She's an Oscar winner and a mommy, although she didn't win the Oscar for being a mommy. It's separate, no. but that's this, that's where she's at in her life now. She's an yeah. Oscar winning mommy. Yes. 
so it's the, that's what we're going to watch next is the professional so if you guys want to get all the jokes and you'll watch the professional but the other two movies was the yes. born identity which is Ooh. now 23 years old you're around there maybe 20 so years old so old so old and no country for old men the movie uh, again ever going to oh, i was gonna say like, it sounds like you know I mean, they were all three good movies. I wouldn't have minded reviewing any of them, but man, oh, we're we keep missing No Country. Ah, oh, I love that damn. movie. Me too. Me too. I love it so. But much. no, we're watching Leon the Professional, Sorry. where they where they skirt the pedersey. <laughs> <laughs> they get well, really like, close. <laughs> what? Look, you need you you know you need to skirt it. You can't you you can't actually do it. You know. How about not even imply it? Well, that that is also an option. Just don't even get anywhere close to it. But, you know. Yeah. The closest they get is that she has a crush on him and he doesn't like it. Yeah. Who, what 14 year old girl wouldn't have a crush on Jean Reno? I mean, come on. What a dish he was back in the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, boy. His serial killer face and his unshaven, like French five o'clock shadow. Come That's on, that's right. Man. And his weird behavior. The fact that yeah, can can a person live on milk? I don't know. Apparently. We'll <laughs> anyway, so that's what we're gonna do. The the the. So thanks everybody for listening in once again. This is Jason Harding, and go see a movie this week. And this is Steve Shives. At least I tried, didn't I? God damn it. At least I did that. Did you? Not really. Not really. Yeah. You know, I always like to quote Bart Simpson. I can't promise to try, but I'll try to try. <laughs> but I mean, even trying to try, I mean, I don't get it. If you try and you don't succeed, you didn't do anything. Uh, We're supposed to be, oh, good job. You, you failed. Good job. Boy, that's a boomer sentiment, isn't it? Yeah. At least I Probably tried to try. <laughs> Probably my favorite try related quote, and I'm surprised to find as we have this conversation that I have so many of them right at hand. Um, my favorite try related quote is the epitaph on Charles Bukowski's tombstone, which reads simply, don't try. Yeah, don't try. Don't try. Don't try. Ultimately, what do you get? You're right in the ground. <laughs> exactly. Doesn't matter who it is, don't try. Maybe you'll be remembered for something. Who gives a shit? Maybe you will, maybe you won't. Who gives a shit? Just do your, right. just live your fucking life. Who gives a fuck? Right. Are we supposed to be going like, ooh, they tried. Look at the challenger. Ooh, they tried. Hey, they, they tried. tried. They launched the fucking shuttle. That's right. At least they gave it a shot. What have you ever done? But I, I have more respect for the person that they, they failed. <laughs> Look at exactly. that. Yeah, they tried. Look where it got them. Mm -hmm. A million pieces over to fucking Atlantic Ocean. Hey, good thing they tried. We need more movies that say don't try. Stop. Right? Stop it. <laughs> Stop right there and don't do any more. Mm -hmm. Be satisfied <laughs> with the that you've been delivered. Because that's most people's lives are a big Stop selling That's us that. these inspirational fucking human spirit bullshit movies. <laughs> Just be glad your fucking life's not any worse. Why? So we can feel <laughs> bad about ourselves because we didn't do the thing that the little girl did in the movie. <laughs> it's like um in How Bad Santa. <laughs> it's like in Bad Santa when he's when he's eating lunch and the the mom comes up with the kid and he mm -hmm. yells at her. He's like, "I'm on my fucking lunch break," and uh, and she says, "I'm gonna talk to your manager." And she's walking away, and he just laughs and goes, "You think you can <sighs> fuck up my life any worse than it already is?" <laughs>
<laughs> That's the attitude you want to have. Well, we need a little bit more in the United States. Stop trying. Okay, yeah. stop it. You're not getting anywhere. Everything's a lie. It's hopeless. Give up. That's what we need more of in this society. Except the tasteless slop. It's as good as it's going to get for you. <laughs> Things are never going to be any better than they are right now. They're never right. even going to be good. You're always going to be miserable. Just, you know. Joy is subjective. I hate to tell you that, but it is. Joy yeah. is subjective. You Eat know? your oatmeal and shut up. That's right. That's right. What may be oatmeal to someone is a, a luxurious meal to somebody else. That's right. I put mm. peanut butter in mine. What the fuck? <laughs> Did you never just had, say? You've never had peanut butter in oatmeal? You, you make the oatmeal and then, and then you scoop a couple of spoonfuls of peanut butter in and stir it around. So, oh, And what does that do? That's makes, a monstrosity. It makes, <laughs> it, it, makes, make, it makes peanut butter oatmeal. It's delicious. <laughs> Sounds awful. I, mean, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't expect you to be this appalled by it. No, you have to delicious. remember. I mean, I've squirt, gone, a little, squirt a little honey in there. You know, I've gone onto a heart failure diet, which means the peanut butter is now a completely tasteless thing that has no sugar or salt in it. So the idea of pouring, you know, a couple of tables when you're talking about Jiffy or Skippy or some bullshit. Um, I lately I've been buying Jiff Natural. That's the kind I've been getting. Which what's is na I, wh what's natural about Jiff Natural? Well, I see. I actually I started getting it because I was on a low sodium diet for a while, not as dire as yours. Like I didn't mm. have a doctor like saying you can't eat any. But I there were I for about six months a few years ago i thought i had high blood pressure it turned out it was just that the the blood pressure machine at the drugstore was was poorly calibrated because when i actually went to a real doctor who took my blood pressure they for said real. oh no you're fine mm -hmm. <laughs> for real they said no you're good um but just as a precaution i had started trying to cut as much sodium out of my diet as i could so i switched to this brand of peanut butter which is not zero sodium but much lower than like typical you know, mm. and, and, and I, and I like it. I developed kind of a taste for it. So I still get it. Um, yeah, but yeah, take a couple of big fucking gobs of that and throw it into some, according to this, it seems the major difference between Jif natural and regular Jif is that Jif natural includes palm oil as its ingredient. Ah, there you go. See, and that's, I mean, it probably gives you cancer or something, but I mean, you know, while regular Jif has hydrogenated vegetable oil. There you go. See, the palm oil is better for you because it comes mm -hmm. from the palm. Yeah. <clears throat> if you prefer Jif peanut butter, you can feel confident that it's as healthy as most other brands, which isn't great. <laughs> it's not medicinal. You know, it's not necessarily a health food, but it's it's good. No, no, no. In order for it to be a health food, from what I've under what what I've come to learn is that you extract yes. anything enjoyable out of the food, ah, and then yeah. you eat this fucking bland. It's nothing. It's yeah. just it's it's just nothing but calories to keep you alive. Salt is the flavor of our life, and once you don't have it no more, you realize right. just how dire our ape ancestors. But <laughs> But have you tried Mrs. Dash? Because I hear that's really good. Fuck Mrs. You know? Dash. But, Fuck her and all of her friends. Fuck her husband. Actually, Mr. Fuck Mr. Dash. You know all that, the Dash uh, children. You know the um the fake salt, the replace the substitute yes, salt. I have it's like some sodium. In the cabinet yeah, yeah. Right here. It's like it's uh -huh. like made out of like potassium instead of sodium. Yes. Um 
I've had, I've, I've had, it's not bad if you just use it very, if you use just the right amount of it, I think it's acceptable. But like when I was uh, in my twenties, my roommate and best friend at the time went through a, a weird phase where he was trying to cut salt out of his diet. I don't think it was even for like a diagnosed medical issue. I think he just decided he didn't want to have salt. He just got a wild hair that's like, Hey, yeah. you know, I only yeah. have so many years where I'm allowed to eat whatever I want to eat. Fuck it. So let me just, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. when he did, and it's like, and, but like, he would he didn't really make an effort to eat like actually low sodium foods he just stopped using table salt on stuff which doesn't really mm -hmm. make that big of a difference all things told no. um i mean it, yeah you know it helps but it's not like it's not going to fix if you have a sodium related problem that's not going to fix it um but he got the potassium based fake salt and he would fucking pour that shit on everything it was fucking disgusting we would mm -hmm. get we would order we would order a pizza and he would take it and fucking what? Dump who the fuck salts pizza he's who a fucking salts pizza maybe who salts he pizza? did maybe he did have a problem he was cutting down the sodium because well, he, he was salting pizza he had a problem okay um, <laughs> no yeah but that that's an excellent point there who salts pizza to begin with no and if one. you are and, and and who who uses fake salt to salt yeah it's it was and i mean he fucking dumped it on there like i don't know what else he could have possibly tasted other than that fucking fake salt it was gross maybe you know? he loved salt that much maybe he knew he maybe. had a problem maybe he had a problem yeah because i've i have some of that fucking potassium salt it's yeah. horrid i hate it if it I do use it, yeah. I use as little as possible. Yeah. And then it's still not salt. It's only salt is salt. Only salt is salt. salt. I was savory, not a sweet. <laughs> Dear God in heaven. And now I, I'm a diabetic, so I don't have either one. So now Hooray! you're just now you're just you're you're just alone on an island. Someone should institutionalize me. I can become Harding, the new Harding and the new the new one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Oh, that would be great because you. I mean, you've lived your whole life with that name. Yeah, you find an you, open you, psychiatric institution. You have an insight into that character that other people wouldn't have. Yeah, because I'm gay and I'm, I'm married to a hot big tit wife. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Can we end the show? We went on a huge diatribe. Yeah. About sorry. Salt. Sorry. Sorry about your salt-free diet. That's fine. You don't care. And, it doesn't matter. Sorry that you can't have peanut butter oatmeal. You don't know what you're missing. Like that is so weird, dude. We gotta talk. I've heard people putting preserves, preserves in oatmeal. Some yeah, fruit. Yeah. But peanut butter. Wrong with that. Who the fuck What's taught you that? that? I did it myself. Oh. I said I'm gonna put. I said I'm putting peanut butter in his motherfucker. You're going. And I did it. You're going feral. You should not be left alone with food. <laughs> I'm going feral. One day you cooked up a bunch of oatmeal and you're like, I'm putting some peanut butter in it. That's, that's exactly what happened. That's exactly that's, what happened. I said, I'm going to put some peanut butter in this fucking shit and see how it turns out. And it was delicious. Let me see if anyone recommends that anywhere. It's really good. Dude. Like, it, it, it's really good. If your oatmeal comes out a little too thin, you know, and you want to thicken it up, you just plop a couple of globs of oatmeal in there, buddy. Thicken it right up. Peanut butter oatmeal. You freaks. So goddamn good. <laughs> I'd fucking kill somebody for it. I'd kill is, somebody for peanut butter oatmeal go. right now. Google asked the question, is putting peanut butter and oatmeal good? And the answer is yes, of course it it's is. It's a matter of taste. Yep. How you, it's a matter of taste. People yep. like it or people Bunch don't. Bunch of fucking breakfast gargoyles. What are you doing? Oatmeal and peanut butter makes a delicious and healthy combo. The taste delicious together. This is a well, combination that really is also... Tastes like anything, but... Yeah. Well-balanced meal of carbs, fats, and proteins. 
What lunatic in an asylum wrote this? What? Oh, it's choosing Chia. The, I guess for people who want to eat Chia, because that's the big fad now is eating Chia, chia seeds. seeds. Yeah, but you have mm-hmm. to you have to put them in like a like a coffee grinder or something and grind up the seeds, or else your body will just pass them right out. Mm-hmm. So there's a free tip for everybody. If you're gonna eat chia seeds, grind them up first. Okay, well, now this website is saying, yeah, put, oat, put put peanut butter in your oatmeal, but don't put dried fruit like craisins or dried pineapple. Why? What, 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 what's wrong with that? I don't know because people you, put peanut butter in their oatmeal or. If you love, but I mean, weirdo. I'm just saying, like, I don't eat, I don't put dried fruit in my oatmeal. But what, if somebody likes it, what's wrong with it? There's nothing like. I mean, let people eat whatever the fuck they eat. Whatever, we're supposed to end the show. We can argue about this for the okay. patrons. Okay, we'll argue about food choices for the patrons. Right, okay. Anyway, bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Listen. And thanks for listening.